On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if the paper girls stick the landing perfectly on the porch or if they miss and then the show goes through the window. Who will win the shushi for favorite superhero team? And why none of Nick's friends like comics. When Ryan sits down with Nick from the podcast, none of my friends like comics. All that and more on an all-new episode of the Superhero Show Show. up nerds welcome to the superhero show show the only show on the internet that reviews every single live action television show based on a comic book that also reviews some of the cartoon ones as well my name is cassie and i will be your host for this episode i've got some friends here to help me out though first of all let me bring in ryan cassie i'm feeling fresh i'm feeling good do you know why i don't know why tell me why ryan i just and you might not even know what this is but i just took two spritzes of banaca Banaka? I ba- this is new to me. I do need to know what banaka is. One in each armpit. Uh banaka is what you put in there and your mouth, like it's a little spray thing you put in your mouth before you talk to a girl. Just and then your breath is all good. Even though it's full of sugar and it makes your breath way worse. It was the ice drops of the eighties. Okay. I was gonna say we had we had lis- the Listerine uh little paper strips. Yeah, okay. So no, like, technology that's, that's advanced, been- okay, between me and you. Do you guys ever think it was weird that Blanca Never had from Street Fighter Two. Never had a sister named Banaka, and then uh, she would fire every- breath strips to like Rue and Ken and Guile who were shooting fire breath at her. That would she have been such an incredible. Yeah, she. Ryan, I'm glad you asked. I thought I woke up every morning screaming during my childhood, thinking that. Mike, we can't be the only ones. I have to assume that there's more people. Tens of us. Exactly tens of you guys. Banaka plagues daily. Um, well, I'm glad that breath is minty and fresh and you're ready for this shit. Uh, Can you tell? Oh, yeah. You're bringing that energy. I would say if you, it'd be Bianca energy and also maybe potentially short energy. I don't know about that one. Oh, because I'm wearing shorts right now? Yeah. Oh, she's out. just showing a little lag getting behind the curtain. I'm so sorry, Us Weekly and Cassie, that I have the two most handsome knees in Hollywood and you guys <laughs> have to what? talk about it constantly. Look at their dimples. That's what you know they're so handsome and you're always hiding them away. In this podcast, you gifted us all and you were like, these knees are free for this one. This is a special occasion. Do you know what's mostly hiding them is all of the scabs from my kneeboarding career. I am a uh, skateboarding is a little dangerous for me, so I kneeboard and I fall in cement constantly and my knees are covered in scabs and I pick those motherfuckers because what else am I supposed to do? It's disgusting. <laughs> Mike, not a fan of picking scabs. No, I'm I'm Mike. I'm here, and I'm not a fan of picking scabs. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know if you could be on the podcast if you're not a fan of picking scabs. I feel like that's I what bet you eat them too. You fucking freaks. Mm, no, no, it's no, no, no. eating scabs. That's like barbecued boogers, right? Like instead of just eating the the green raw booger, scabs is like barf. you threw the barb you threw the booger on the grill for a little while, cooked it up, smoked it, and then now it's in your mouth. Look on the Barbie. Book <laughs> on the Barbie. I wanted to be on board with Ryan until that analogy, and it got me. Honestly, I was like, you're here, you're in the bit, and then that one made my stomach flip a little bit. 
Um, but yep, I love it on the Barbie. Uh, Mike, are your knees free this podcast? My Oh yeah, my knees are free now, but they often are. I'm all yeah. the way up to my thighs. You can see my tattoo most people normally can't. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not I'm wearing fully. those hot pants. Mike's tattoo says, uh-oh, please not hire. <laughs> and then my <laughs> dick is just there. That's the energy we're bringing for this episode. So you guys fucking strap in for this one. As I said, it is a big one because we're going to be talking about the Paper Girls finale. We also got an interview. Um, I believe, Ryan, you sat down with a friend, Nick. I did. I, I sat down with Nick from None of My Friends Like Comics. Can you imagine, Ryan, or yes, Ryan, having no <laughs> friends that like comics? If you didn't have Mike in your life, how terrible would that be? Uh, Mike also doesn't like comics because I try to read like 20 to 25 a week and he barely reads three or five a week. So it seems like he doesn't like comics I either. I guess I hate them then. Well, we're going to see how that goes for Nick. Uh, but first, it's probably not time. great. First, it's what? Shushy time. It's shushy time. We're deep in award season, our award season, possibly the biggest award out there. Shushies, of course. Um, this week, we're determining best team. Ryan, set it up for us. Do you guys hate when shushies happen? Because as our audience has probably noticed, when we do the shushies, we skip excess. Yeah. It's such a bummer, right? <laughs> and also, but thankfully, like most award seasons, it's half a year long. <laughs> Yeah, you and it's kind of in and out. You'll be like, oh, they're done with it. And then next week, we're like, fucking back with it. Here's a new one for oh, you guys. We have barely started the season. We have about 14 awards left. How <laughs> upset were you two <laughs> that you missed the fucking X-Taz, X-Maz Christmas episode? <gasps> so bummed. So it sounded... Well, I watched it because I'm not a fucking farmer. <laughs> and it was delightful to watch, and I wish I could have talked about it. Just to talk about Gambit's stank-ass food. <laughs> I was just like, I wanted to celebrate Christmas this early with you guys, yeah. and I just, I'm so, I'm so sad I missed it. Why don't we do this? Because you both were gone. Why don't, in about three months or so, when it's uh, sleigh bell time, when it's Rudolph scripping his little fucking toesies on our roofs, when it's Santa knocking our bricks off our chimney time, when it's that season, why don't we do it again? Did, Cassie, is this when we just learned that Ryan grew up Jewish? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> As he was Christmas like, I don't are. know, you're, you're fucking reindeer scratching, uh, tip-a-tapping on the roof. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. When your fucking snowman is cooking up some Cajun food while he's taking a <laughs> bath and came on one of those massages that ends in the way that you want it to, why don't we do this episode again? I love it. I'm into that. Uh, I would say that's not just a lock. It's a more lock. Guys, best team. We already did best ensemble. Best ensemble is like the cast of actors who are together. Mm -hmm. This is superhero team. Mike, as you know, because you read, what, two to three comics a week, barely. The superhero team is like the foundation of comic books. What does a good team need to have? Uh, a flyer, a psychic, a brawler. I swear we do this every year. This exact same <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Uh, you know, they, there needs to be team cohesion. Obviously, there's going to be drama. That's why we like this show. But they need to be able to accomplish things. They need to be able to get along and see things through. Cassie, if I send, if I make a show about a team that's seven demolition experts, is that a good show? 100%. Each one is well, more wacky Cassie than the that. other. This is what I'm talking about. I wanted like Ninja Turtle. Like My team 
that I base everything off of, like if they're a good team, Ninja Turtles. But what's a better Ninja Turtle is a group of all Michelangelos. Make all those Michelangelos <laughs> put a hammer in their fist. Absolutely great team. Love it. You want four Michelangelos. <laughs> Seven if I can get them. <laughs> Clearly she, look at the show she willingly hosts. That's of true. course she wants four Michelangelos. <laughs> Give me the most unruly pizza eating fucks and throw them in a room. That's, yeah, I mean, if this was a reality show, it'd just be Cassie, a normal person, sits down with three fucking cartoon idiots. <laughs> um, just a normal person obsessed with monster trucks, monster energy drinks, and the Fast and the Furious. I love the Ninja Turtles thing, so I think that's so important. I just want to go with the four, though, so I sort of want to hear quickly who you guys believe are the Ninja Turtles from each group. The nominee, Cassie, the first nominee is Legends of Tomorrow. And we can uh, help you out with this. Yeah, that one, I mean, you know, all I got is Bebo out there, and I believe he's the leader, the true leader. Um, okay. Cassie's never watched this show. Mike, do you want to talk about Legends of Tomorrow? Sarah Lance is Leonardo. Sure. You know, the leader and the one who has the murderous weapons, Leonardo. <laughs> She's out there getting it done. I'm going to say uh, Nate is Michelangelo. Nate is Michelangelo. Uh, this season, Spooner and Astra share Raphael. And, in the past, it's been Constantine. And Zari 2.0 is a little Raphael. Is a little Raphael. Do they have no Donatello? Is Gideon, Gideon is Donatello. Gideon and Ava and Sharp are... are and then there's 18 more Michelangelo's. I was going to say, yeah. I feel like there's got to be more Michelangelo's in that crew. That feels like almost mm-hmm. like my dream. Give everyone hammers and set them loose. Bayrod. Bayrod was Michelangelo. Zari 1.0 was Michelangelo. Do you know what? Like... Legends is one of my favorite shows of all time, and maybe Cassie's right. Just get your roles down and then pump that bitch with Michelangelo's <laughs> as hard as you can. You ask anybody who their favorite turtle is, and they're throwing out Michelangelo. Why? No, it's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. Raphael is the best. For, for stupid Raphael little babies, it's ass. Michelangelo, and then it's Raphael once you become an adult God. and you like Scorsese movies. Raphael's a fucking narc-ass bitch, okay? If you think Not that, if you if your favorite <laughs> friend from Friends is Joey, then sure. But could my favorite friend be any more Chandler? I don't think so, Cassie. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Mike, the next nominee, Team Harley. Team Harley. Now, uh, I just talked a lot about Legends. Cassie, do you want to talk about Team Harley? (laughs) Team Harley is almost along the same lines of mainly Michelangelo's. These are four people who are, well, more than four, but like we, big main four. Um, A lot of them are messes in different ways. And like, it's just kind of like, you know, the plan's going to get fucked up, but it's like entertaining to watch. And somehow they all work together with like when one person fucks up. Cassie. We didn't say describe the team. We said fucking which one is which turtle. God damn it. I think that you know which turtle Mike is right now after that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but Cassie, uh, can I just say that that was a really good uh, explanation of the team. And I think that now we can move on to the Ninja Turtle part. But I'm really glad that you did that first part. That was awesome. Great. So, um, Mega Mind or whatever, obviously Raphael, bitch energy. Um, so Doctor Psycho, Doctor Psycho, that's that's Raphael, big old bitch. Um, Harley, unhinged. I'm gonna give her Michelangelo, uh, but but also sort of Leonardo, also Donatello, also Raphael. Is she a three dimensional character? Oh my, she's gosh. all the turtles. I don't. I think she- we have to leave out Harley. Uh, Clayface, Michelangelo. Yes. Um, King Shark, Michelangelo. We have a bunch King of... King Shark's ma- Donatello. What? What? What is he smart he- in? Shark news? <laughs> he's smart in shark news, but I think he's mellower. He's mellow. He's always playing video games. 
he is kind of like the calm one of the group somehow. Unless the Donatello is poison ivy, you fucking bowling pins. That she's Leonardo. Oh my god! I say goodness. she's a Leonardo Donatello cusp. I can see that. All a right, rising, a rising Leonardo. <laughs> you sound like a. He likes me for me. <laughs> It's not like an astrologist. I feel like there's a uh, you have a strong energy in our rising Leonardo. Yeah. Uh, Mike, let's move on. You don't have to do the Ninja Turtles thing. Maybe you could just explain them like Cassie did and maybe start a conversation. It's Team Peacemaker. All right. Leonardo. <laughs> no, th- this is uh, the team of fuck ups. Right, is this uh, the blonde? I don't remember any of their names because this was more than six months. Yeah, ago let me pull up IMDb while you talk. The the blonde uh, is the only one who I think can, and the leader uh, are the two that can get stuff done and want to get stuff done, but they are too busy wrangling vigilante peacemaker and tasty from Orange Is the New Black. So hardcore fuck ups in different ways. Hardcore. Hardcore is Leonardo and Donatello and Raphael and Raphael. Yeah, because she does have the attitude. And then who's the leader? Who's Splinter Leonardo? Who is the butterfly? Uh. That is some other person. Uh, Autobio. Who is Autobio? Autobio. Uh, I guess she has Donatello vibes. Clemson Mern is the butterfly. Mern. Yeah. Mern is the butterfly is Leonardo uh, slash Splinter. Uh, Autobio is Donatello. And then Vigilante. I'd say Vigilante is Michelangelo and Peacemaker is Raphael. This show might have the most Michelangelos. You also have Eagly. You also have Dye uh, Beard. Oh, Dye Beard is is oh Dye Beard's Donatello slash Michelangelo. Yeah, and Eagly is uh, Tokar Eraser. I'd say. <laughs> Do you mean Bebop or Rocksteady? Hell yeah! No? <laughs> I'm talking about Secret of the Ooze, bitch. Cassie, I fucking double dog dare you to do that with this. Team Superman, go. Oh, God, no. This is a group of fucking Leonardos. Like, this is just our most centered, well-rounded group we have out there. What? Jordan is Raphael as shit. Okay, He's always yes. whining. He wears a leather jacket and, like, pouts constantly. You're right. There's there's one little whiny boy, and that is, of course, Jordan. Um, Actually, Jordan is the jock one or the nerd one? I always get confused. Nerd. Okay. The nerd one. The jock one also is now bringing some Raphael energy, though, as he's like... Well, that was the evil, bizarro version of him. Okay. My apologies. So we're sticking OG, no no offshoots here? Well, he. I wouldn't say he's on the team if he's trying to kill them. I guess. I guess if you look at a team that way. I feel like sometimes a team can have somebody who wants to do a murder, but that's fine. Um, Who's Lois? <laughs> who is Lois? Interesting. Lois is... Is that Splinter? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> also, this this is I actually have an issue with them being called Team Superman. They are just straight up a family. I guess the team could be Superman, John Henry, Natalie. That is a team. Mm. Yeah. I think John Henry is fully on here. Yeah, but the 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 family is the family. You feel? They got nominated for the award, Mike. I know. I'm saying they shouldn't, but <laughs> Real fucking Raphael energy he's bringing right now. Seriously. While I'm over here trying to be Raphael, Leonardo, and Donatello, and Cassie's trying to be... Uh, April O'Neil. I, I, I don't know. Uh, final nominee, Mike. Actually, Mike and Cassie, how many of these people can we just name before we start assigning them Ninja Turtles? It's Uatu's Ultimate Avengers from the finale of What If. 
You have Captain Carter. Captain Carter. You have Strange Supreme. You have um, Evil Strange. Uh, Killmonger Good. Killmonger Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already trapped on uh, this team. Who else is on that team? Uh, you have Black Widow from End of the World. You have Captain Carter. I said that already. Uh, Is that the first thing I said? You have uh, Star-Lord T'Challa. What were you going to ask, Cassie? Uh, I think it was... I knew there was some type of Star-Lord offshoot, and I couldn't remember. Yes. But yeah, that's all I got for the team. You have Captain (laughs) Carter. You have Gabby Carter. You have Captain Carter. You have uh, Aaron Carter. (laughs) He wants get candy. It. You have Coach Carter starring Samuel L. Jackson, who played Nick Fury. <laughs> Whoa, it's all connected. All right, um, this team—I don't know. I don't think it had enough time to gel to have its Ninja Turtles. Also, wasn't Killmonger just a fucking bitch the entire time? Well, he—he he was the enemy. He like was, "I'm here," and then just try to become the ultimate owner of all the Infinity. Really, the monger of kills was uh, yeah, shocking, crazy. <laughs> All right, so your nominees are Legends of Tomorrow, Team Harley, Team Peacemaker, The Family Superman, and Uatu's Ultimate Avengers. Guys, where do we think this is going? Well, given how we talked about the last two teams, it's not that. <laughs> Knocking those off the board. <laughs> Mike had real beef with Team Superman being a team. Um, I love The Family Superman. I just don't think that counts with one. <laughs> you made it clear. Um, if history has anything to say with it, I would put my money on legends, but who knows? There's some, there's some new blood in the, in the pool. There's a lot of Harley love. There's a lot, a lot of Harley love. And your winner is Mike envelope sound effects, please. I'm an envelope. In their final season, in their last go around, it is the legends (laughs) of tomorrow. Yeah, we are what we are. (laughs) This is it. This is the last award that they can win. I know that because all of the other awards from this season are going to be won by Resident Alien. So, <laughs> Well, they are the resis from here on out. Congratulations to the Legends of Tomorrow, to Sarah Lance, Captain Sarah, to the entire show. Thank you for being the single best show that we have ever watched on this podcast. Good night. And ever will. And good luck. <laughs> you can come by and pick up your trophy whenever you want. Uh, coming up next, you guys, we got to talk about our main event, which is Paper Girls. On the season one finale of Paper Girls, just when the girls start to have hope again, they realize that they are stuck in a time loop where they were the voices who reached out to Heck and Naldo back in 1988. With not a lot of options left, the girls surrender to the old watch and get brought onto their ship. It's unclear what the old watch was going to do with them, but it probably wasn't great. So Priorus switches sides and tries to get the girls back to 1988. In the process, Priorus is shot, saved by Aaron and Tiff, who are then left behind and sit on a separate pod that takes them too far back, all the way to 1970. Tiff, let's ask you this. When we started this series, we were unsure about it, but then it grew on us. Did this finale continue on that path and stick the landing? I, I, Yes. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, Cassie, let me thank you for using the phrase stick the landing. I don't know how I could make it through this segment without hearing that those three words. But uh, yeah, I think that my issue with this was that I had this weird sort of tone issue with we're going to wrap the story up in this episode. And also, this is the start of many more seasons. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of hard to like figure out what they were trying to do. But when we got to the end, it made me like everything else better. Like, when Aaron and who was it? 
Tiff? Tiff. Aaron and Tiff got to the 1970s, I guess, which was not clear to me. No. I, how did you know that was the 70s? I was shocked that you said 70s. <laughs> That's what Burt the Reynolds movie. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like everybody at a drive-in, even now, is watching a Burt Reynolds movie driving around Winnebago. So it was hard to tell. But when Aaron and Tiff got back to the 70s, I was like, okay, they are continuing this on. This is a longer plot. A lot of this last episode was confusing because it felt like there was wrap-up tension. It was wiping the slate clean of, here's all the adults who helped them and got to know them. They are gone. Now they're on a new adventure, and they have none of that help. Yeah, and it's like unclear. Like I felt like they kept rapping with the old watch. Like You know when they were talking to um, Father Time, Grandfather, Jason Manzoukas? Yeah, I Zooks. was like, Zooks, man. Um, I was like, I thought it was going to kind of end like there with them on the ship and we just get like that cliffhanger and right. we just like i was like okay there's the season and then when we did get more i was like oh okay bet <laughs> I, I do like where this is going i guess question because you guys have watched more than me is was this the first time he showed up and if so was that very surprising for you as it was for me well don't say if so because it's not oh well yeah. when he first showed up was it very surprising for you <laughs> When he first showed up in episode three, it was very surprising. When he sh- first showed up for the first time for you in the last episode, was it very surprising? It was. Also, he didn't show. I've seen episode three. He was not in there. Four, Ben. Yeah, well, it, he, he's if you're going to correct me, get it right. <laughs> but yeah, he came in Birkenstocks with socks, and I was like, love this guy. Love and the energy he brings everywhere. I thought that that was because he came from the 90s. His shirt, like he's got like a, what is it, Soundgarden shirt? or In this episode, it was... Uh... Fight the power. Public enemy. Public enemy shirt and socks and Birkenstocks. And I was thinking, oh, he's from a specific time. But actually, what I think it is, is that he's lived through every time. And he's decided this particular outfit is the most comfortable if you, uh, like, conglomerate all human clothing. Yes. And he's not wrong. And it's just the most comfortable. Those knees are free. He's got beautiful knees as well. He was like, this is what the world needs. Well, we're, we're I, learning I, that I Cassie has a knee fetish. Yeah, I don't think he has the most beautiful <laughs> knees. Um, I will say, though, that like as much as I love this guy, this is a bad performance. This is him sort of phoning in his zookiness and maybe having too much green screen to work with. Maybe that's like not his jam. But I feel like there's like a an effort at his persona and uh-huh. also I know what's going on with the script and neither one of them comes off for me. There is a way that like summer stage college kids used to act when your parents were like and that's the way he would like do movements where everybody else like uh the 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 old watch who has been terrifying throughout the season in the parts i watched she got it and then he was just like i'm gonna tear your tape apart yeah uh and that was it was it was i've not seen him be bad like this before i mean what it seems like is hey jason did you read the script no all right we have three hours for your entire season we have three hours to do this you ready yes i am and then they did it yeah there's a scene i think it, this one was where the pterodactyl comes down and like eats someone right larry and, like, larry it and chomps his re- larry his response of just like well and i was like oh no what's he doing what's happening he's like half sesame street at some points and i i'm well, not that's into just it. him yeah, but I, you're right. That's on it just me. didn't fit. But so I've much seen him here. be good before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, but I'm saying the, the, the Sesame Street quality is always there. It just <laughs> didn't didn't jive with the rest of the tone. And what uh, do the girls call him, Jerry Garcia? Uh huh. I don't. I don't know if they would know that. I, I think that they would refer to him as Cherry Garcia. 
The ice cream based on Jerry Garcia. Was that around in 1988? See, even that, I don't know. Someone fact check it. They got to. But as somebody who watched every episode of the show, the problem with this episode was plot and not hangout. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what we're tuning in for, right? Is the girls hanging out. And the fact that they got a couple of moments and and they were so forced. Like, KJ was like, oh, fuck. We might be heading up to the time warp again. I'm going to touch Max's hand and, like, bring some shit down upon her. That was too much. Like, that's there just wasn't the the slow-grown organic moments of the previous seven episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And then there was also, like, I don't know if there was trying to, I guess, fit too much, but the fact that they were, like, separated, and then when they came together, it was just, like, into it. I don't know why. Like, I felt like they are coming back together. Needed more explanation. They were just like, we're at the farm. There's some purple shit throwing things out. And they were just like, okay, bet. Which and I the fact guess. <laughs> when the four of them got together, they were so excited to be back together. They had to hacky sack for 45 minutes. That's like, what we, I... We know well, we're see, back together. Definitely know Jerry Garcia. If they're That's some Jerry sack. Garcia bullshit right there. <laughs> and look, I'm grateful that he's dead. With uh, August 9th. With, uh, that's when he died. <laughs> what a random fact to know. Uh, because on my sister's birthday, my dad calls her up every morning and says, do you know what today is? It's the day Jerry Garcia died. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's fun. That's fun. Uh, and the uh, Mike story unravels. <laughs> are, you, are you guys worried uh, that I I would guess that two-thirds of next season, we have these two pairings that will get less hangout time because they are split up and lost in time? I am worried about that. see where KJ and Mac ended up. I would just prefer the thing that I used to hate, which is like, oh, man, you guys did stupid shit, stupid bad screenwriting just to get everyone back together again. I don't care anymore. I don't, I don't, that's not a note anymore. Do the stupid bad screenwriting to get the people back together again. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I want the four of them together talking about tampons and farts. Like, girl <laughs> farts are the different than boy farts. That's why I'm watching this show. Man, you say that about every show. It's yes. so weird. I would like... <laughs> The police on the wire to talk about tampons and girl farts. They come the closest. Honestly, <laughs> would be pretty fun. Uh, did you guys see the switch uh, that Prioress? I know I don't say her name correctly, but did you see her? Was her like switch over to the girl's side surprising, or was there like hints of that for you guys? Because for no, me, I, I was like, what? I thought it was going to be Zooks. Yeah. yeah. Of the two, I thought Prioress was like. She was the T one thousand of this she entire like a show. She's a true believer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it, she's like, "Well, wait, they have a pretty good idea. Like, maybe you shouldn't just let bad things happen." I did not see it coming. Yeah, her because it wasn't like sprinkled throughout the season, knowing in and out of the whole season that. But her being like at the end, like I was shoved in this war just like you, and her not being mad that KG killed her brother, but like really empathizing with that mm-hmm. was interesting, but it all felt so sudden. Yeah. So do and you think it's like a knock against it or like was... No, was it- I, no. I think that the whole show has been about two things. One, you have no idea, even though you're 12, you have no idea what's ahead of you. Like even you don't have any idea what's ahead of you in the next four years, much less the next 20 years. And two, how much... So like that's nurture over nature and then also how much is dictated for you because of these decisions like oh now you're a part of the time police or whatever the fuck you know like mm-hmm. you're just you're just a part of this now and that's how you make all your decisions and so watching mac not want to go back 
to like die of cancer is the same thing as the prioress saying, oh, I don't want to let Zooks get away with it. Like stopping time in your own moment and saying, no, I am the dictator of my own destiny right now. Right now I get to decide. And I think that's ultimately what ties all the storylines together. Solid. Solid point, Ryan. Cassie and I are both nodding. <laughs> Just like, that's mm, not. Mm. Mm. <laughs> he, he made good points there. Uh, do you guys, I know you guys dropped from the comic. So is this, at this point, are you guys. There was no giant tardigrade, Cassie. Yeah. And I'm fucking kept, furious. I'm like, Here it comes. They kept all looking at the sky, terrified. And then at a certain point, something seems to come out of the sky. And I was like, here it comes. <laughs> And then it was just a spaceship. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever done to the superhero social podcast is bringing up that giant tardigrade and getting like, God, it was just never there. It's like, never That's what the there. cake song is about. Do you think if we petition hard enough, like, can we get like how Bebo started to come back more? Can we just get them to put in this fucking tardigrade? All I yeah. heard, Cassie, is that you are sending out your superhero social wavelength, your power to making sure that Bebo is in the second season of Paper Girls. And I yeah. back that up. Yep, I think um, I am going to get a tattoo on, on each butt cheek. One will be a Bebo, one will be a tardigrade about to fight. Wait, and so you have the power to like pull them apart? Well, yeah, I can slap that ass. <laughs> Clap cheeks, that's what the kids call it. There it is. Honestly, I do feel like you need a Bebo tattoo. This isn't related to Paper Girls, but I do see you with a Bebo tattoo. You know what, Mike? If you get a Bebo tattoo, I will get the Millhouse tattoo. Yeah? Yeah. Should, yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners what that means? I'm going to get Millhouse written on my leg. Millpool. Millpool, I'm sorry. As if Millhouse was trying to sign his own name, but then looked at a pool, and then <laughs> half of his name is Pool, and then drew a line. The best tattoos need a full explanation like that. In well, you- there's no explanation needed if you've watched The Simpsons for once in your goddamn life, Cassie. Ooh. Oh, look who's Ooh. talking. How many episodes have you seen, Mike? 17 and a half. That's that's pretty good, that's Cassie. Good. How many, well, many boobs I saw today, Marge? There's almost a thousand. It's a pretty good ratio he's got going on there. I'm proud. Cassie, of Cassie, literally, how many episodes of The Simpsons have you watched? Like point five. What the fuck? What the Sorry, fuck? that's so weird. <laughs> Sorry, but, but I you have... get jokes. I don't understand. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm an anomaly, I guess. When Mike says that, he's making fun of both you and me. I know. That was that was a pretty good one. <laughs> He's getting savage every once in a while on this episode. But I have watched every episode of Paper Girls, you guys, and I was here for it ultimately at the end. I'm excited for the next season. I know hopefully they get them back together soon, but I do think I'm just like on board just because I started to love their connection and how they vibed with each other. Um, are you guys, do you think you'll stick it out if it gets brought back, when it gets brought back? I mean, I like it's written like we talked about before. It's written by my favorite comic book author, and I ba- I like dropped on that, but I will not drop on this. I fucking mm-hmm. love this show. I, I it made me start thinking about like how we don't do ratings, mm-hmm. and I was trying to think about like what would I because like this isn't a show that you can recommend to literally anyone, right? But it's still really good. Mm-hmm. And do we have a four star show? Currently, like no five. No, out of no, no, no. Out of four. Watchmen. Uh, Watchmen's four, right? Yeah. What's what's three and a half? Um, I say the boys, but I know Oof. Cassie would not say the boys. Oof. That's wild. Is this three? I think this is a solid three and I stand by it. It's it's three, but it is a weird three. Yeah. It's it's a three with like stipulations as to who you tell it's a three. 
Because, but that doesn't mean quality. That means because some people are just like, oh, this guy's your pink. I can't do it. But see, I think it's yeah. it's easier to recommend than like The Flash because The Flash is so corny. I would and, never recommend well, the, Flash. the Flash is a one and a half star show. <laughs> All right, guys. Back in the first season, we used to light The Flash is what I'm talking about. And yes. The Flash is so corny. But like Paper Girls sort of, it doesn't wear its corn on its sleeve as, the much, as much as The Flash does, but it sort of does it more. It's really weird. It's I, so it, it's saying so much more than a three our average three star show is what I'll yes. say. And I think you could recommend Paper Girls to more normies uh, than a lot of our other shows. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because um, of that character work is so strong. Yeah, and you'll be into it. You know, like you don't always need dragons on Game of Thrones, and you don't always need purple and pink skies and Paper Girls. Like you, you come for the. Time travel, but you stay yeah. for to the time the giant tardigrades, but you stay for the character work. Do you know what's horseshit that did bug me throughout this episode? They kept saying dinosaur. Pterodactyls. Oh are my god, lizards. Cassie, move on. They're Cassie, get to the commercial. Jesus Cassie, dinosaurs. we have to bail. <laughs> you know what? For dinosaur talk, I, I do believe you that relates to the website you were gonna build, Mike. Of course it was. So I'll go ahead and let you talk about your website right now. Thank you. This has been in the works for quite some time. It's called isthisadino.net. And it just always has two pictures up. And you go, is this a dino? And you click the one that is a dino. And I've been helping Mike with this. Like, is Godzilla a dinosaur? Obviously. Is Mothra a dinosaur? Definitely, yes. No! Is Sam Neill from Jurassic Park a dinosaur? Because of his contact to dinosaurs, I think that he is. He is so old at this point, he is a dinosaur. (laughs) Now, where do dino nuggets fall on this scale? Dinos? Or nuggets. Well, that you have to go. You can click into the family. If you want to learn more, you click on the pic. You double click on the picture and it gives you the family tree. So dino nuggets are dinosaurs because they are chickens mashed into the shape of dinosaurs. And as we all know, chickens are modern dinosaurs. Now, a lot of those dino nuggies, I will tell you, Mike, are shaped like pterodactyls. And that bothers me to no end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to no end. There is no end no. to how much there that bothers There is no you. end to the bother. I would rather have them shaped like chickens, which are closer to dinosaurs than goddamn pterodactyls. You want chicken nuggets shaped like chickens? Yes, because those are dinosaurs. Do you want burgers to be shaped like cows? Yes, that's delightful. <laughs> All food <laughs> should be shaped like small versions of what it came Do you want from. eggs to be shaped like eggs? Because I have good news for you. They already are. They are. They are that. <laughs> I love my egg-shaped eggs. Well, like, this is a big website. I can tell you're passionate about it. So I'm going to send you over to my friends because they're the best at what they do at cybersprout.net. And you know what they do? What's up? I said, like, Wolverine. I didn't mean to derail you, but he's the best at what he does, (laughs) Cybersprout. Maybe this will teach you to not interrupt. (laughs) I've never learned that, Ryan. (laughs) He never will. But he knows all about dinosaurs. And Cassie, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but... We're, we're uh, doing a commercial for Cybersprout here, seeing if they could build a website that is, once again, two pictures, and you have to click on one of them. Yeah. A 1996 website <laughs> that we're trying to build for this company the, once again. The further away we get from 96, the harder it is to make that kind of website. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, Now Cassie, it's all about infinite continue. scroll. Yes. No, no, no. This, <laughs> this website solves infinite scroll by putting two pictures, two glitchy-ass <laughs> pictures up. One is a dinosaur, and one is probably a dinosaur, and you have to click one of them. Mothra is not a dinosaur. Did you hear the part where it says you could double-click it, and then there's a family tree in it? The family tree, Ryan! The family tree! I also loved how Mike said there's a click thing on the side that says, would you like to know more? That's just when you click the picture. You don't need to add that extra fucking statement. God, this website sucks. This website sucks. (laughs) 
Well, you went 50-50 with me, so that's half your fault. I did. I did. I, I went on to the dino. He went in on the nuggies, and now we're... This is it. You made this. We're business partners. Even though it's half good, that's not because of cybersprout.net. Everything they're going to do for your website is going to be 100% good. And you want to know what they'll do? They'll offer premium hosting that's specifically built for WordPress. They handle security, maintenance, backups, and speed optimizations. They'll even migrate your website for free. They focus on collaboration. They have easy-to-manage drag-and-drop tools. You know what? You know they got that template for the two pictures versus each other just because of us. <laughs> so if wow. you need that shit, that's wow. on there. Uh, CyrusRoad.net, your partner for a digital world. Hey, Cassie, do they have the ability to have, like, uh, all over the website, just little dancing dinosaurs dancing back and forth? Just ugly ugly dancing dinosaurs, and then maybe some, like, Google ads all the way down and covering it? Yeah. It's Google ads all the way down. All the way down. No matter how far down you scroll, there'll be an ad, and they can handle it. How else do you make money? CyrusRoad.net. Coming up next, pull list. We are back for the pull list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is She-Hulk. On the third and possibly most controversial episode of She-Hulk, Jen has to defend Blonsky to his parole board and Pug takes the case of Jen's sexist former co-worker who thought he was dating Megan the Stallion, but it was really a light elf from Asgard. Meanwhile, Jen takes on her public persona and the show takes on its critics. Taste Buds, I ask you this. What are you more into right now? Hints of a mysterious villain leading the Wrecking Crew or the wacky antics of a superhero law firm? Either way, bud. Either way. I, I, I really want to pick a lane here. Oh, you're Wait. saying it's vacillating too much? I don't think they're doing either one well, and I think that if they dropped one, they could do the other one well. It, like, I would really like this to be like, all right, so we're, we're attached to the MCU. Everybody sees? And then just do the 30-minute comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's, I think, the best route, but yeah, I don't that's know. That's my preferred. And kind of like if they could do, I don't, I guess like a monster of the week, but it's like the case of the week, I guess. And it's just wacky and goes awry or whatever. Like I, I'd be into that. I think that is my, my jam. I think we're going to get them. I mean, this one, we had the two cases of the week and both were silly in their own ways. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, the, the the big and I think one of the complaints when you get through all the the sexist stupid complaints is that there isn't the big driving plot, which I'm enjoying. This was the first episode and first hint of a plot of the Wrecking Crew being like the boss is gonna be mad. Yeah, and I'm assuming that, and I like I'm nervous about assuming things because last week we assumed that Emil Blonsky talking about how he has found a team of seven. Yeah, we thought was that was the Thunderbolts, and it's. That he started a cult with seven women. Um, so I don't want to like get too far out there, but uh, we met the wrecking crew. Um, uh-huh. I was just that, that's here's so, how dumb and nerdy I am. I, when they showed up, I went, It's the wrecking crew. And then it was. <laughs> now, the wrecking crew is Jennifer Walter straight up, excuse me, says to them, Are you guys like, do you guys have like Asgardian construction outfits? And they were like, Yep, that's true. <laughs> In yep. the comic books, they really do have that, but they are actual heavy hitters. Like, the Wrecking Crew can fuck up Superman. Right. The Wrecking oh. Crew are destroyers. In this show, they are workmen for hire. And based on the show, I like this version better. Uh, they're just like, oh, I don't know. What, what do we do, boss? Here we go. I want the a thing I've always thought about the Wrecking Crew and I want the show to dig and do is similar to the Fantastic Four. Where the Wrecking Crew, there's individual members, and their names are like Basher, Bruiser, and then there's The Wrecker. 
that's not cool. If we're on a team, we should <laughs> well, not. One of our names should not be the name of the. You team. don't get the the. The the or but is it his crew? It's just not fair. Just like Mister Fantastic and the Fantastic Four. Oh, I see. So not like, cool. Yeah, we're the Van Halens. By the yes. way, I my name is Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, that's bullshit. I think it's it's fair. He can he can be the leader as long as he takes that leader role. He can have the name. He's got to earn it though. What if the name passed to the leader, whoever won the battle of the week? But like, I am missing the the drama and the comedy of both of the masks. You know the mm. the masks that they have Your above classic stages. theater. Classic theater masks of the street level gangs. Like it is funny and it is dramatic. I would like the wrecking crew to come up and just be workers for hire. And I think there's a ton of comedy that can come out from that. I think that like an Asgardian elf getting in trouble, uh-huh. that's where the show should be. Yeah. I don't think I need any more jokes about like, well, I didn't have a name, but somebody named me She-Hulk, but they were stupid because that's such a stupid... Uh, those jokes, I feel like we have done for a solid yeah. 30 years at this point. Done with those, and it was so crazy. And anytime anybody said this is peak comedy, and points to anything Marvel, and I love Marvel, they're a fucking moron. Uh, but the Hulk saying, "I'm literally, I was literally another person then," and P- the the internet fucking loved that. Let's let's not let's move on. Let's not. That's like typical Marvel jam, though. Like that's what the people who like they just love if they can get the references. I think it's more of just like even if it's an obvious reference, they're just like, I fucking know what that means, and that's funny. Uh-huh. As Just far like patting their own backs, they're also not doing the Deadpool thing or the Ali McBeal thing or whatever of like looking at the camera. Like they're only doing it at the most obvious times, and it's right. not organic. Like it's not streamlined. It's not like we're not. Jennifer Walters doesn't reach out to us as the audience when we need it. It's like whenever the show needs it, mm-hmm. and that's not fair. Like, don't do it to just take shortcuts in your script. Do it because you're a special show. And we're your special audience. Like, we're your special little <laughs> boys and girls and, and bees. Like, don't do it because you, you wanted to cheat screenwriting. That's what it feels like. Do you think that's because of how short the episodes are? Or you think they could do it even with these short episodes? Like, I think it's it because they again. forget to use it. And then they get notes and they're adding, the, like, hey, cut these 12 pages. Well, how are we going to do that? Oh, just have her look at the camera. Like, that doesn't anything. count. That's not... That's not good screenwriting. That is that's cheating. Mm. I gotcha. I feel you. Uh, so was this one like? Did it like lessen how much you're enjoying She-Hulk? Are you getting tired of it now, or is it just like that one gripe? Pretty much. I was out. This one brought me a little closer to back in. Okay. All right. That's where I'm at. Which part was it, Megan Lee Stallion, that brought you back in? Uh, I'm not gonna say it wasn't. Hell yeah. <laughs> there is, yeah, let's take this head on. Uh, one, I, I, I'll admit to the court, uh, something about seeing her ever in any situation short circuits my brain like I was 12 again. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot have normal adult brain function when looking at Megan the Stallion. It destroys my motor skills. That's adorable. Uh, That's- so yeah, I loved this episode. <laughs> I just, it's so fun. Like, the fact that they got out of, it was just so random and fun. I was just so delighted to see fucking Megan Thee Stallion in the MCU. Like, it's delightful. And those jokes I liked a lot of this sexist, stupid idiot really thought he could get Megan Thee Stallion. And to have Jen then go on the stand and be like, no, I truly believe he thought that. Like, Mm -hmm. all of that worked for me. 
and those are the comments like you know how they keep trying to do like the female lead thing like everybody's like this is how it is to be a woman like those comments are getting a lot but like in that way if they stuck to that type of tone to make those points like that's mm-hmm. the show's voice and that's where it's like it's good like this is this is how you should be doing it and because that was that was fun put him like make him a fool of his own trial love that where do you guys stand on the twerk heard around the world <laughs> very divisive <laughs> I, uh, I'm i glad that I stayed in for it because a lot of these episodes I've been like, oh shit, eight minutes of credits. That's awesome. I get to go live my life. But <laughs> I fast forwarded and then watched it and, I, and watched it. And I have no problem with the twerking itself. You guys know I have no problem with any sorts of twerks. Twerks heard around the world are all great. But she, not Megan, Mike, please, please know that I'm not talking about Megan. But she just looks like shit all the yeah. time. Anytime she moves, she looks terrible. It It is weird. And I would rather have just Tatiana. She is so good at everything that I'd rather have her painted in green on stilts. I. What's <laughs> weird is like the Bruce Banner thing is down. So if Bruce Banner twerked with Megan the Stallion, something that I've been asking for for a decade. You really have. It would look no great sense. because like that seems like they have that down. Yeah, that they're still figuring out and rendering. She but knows. yeah, they don't have the rendering, whatever the fuck that means for Jennifer, and it looks like shit. That's what. That's mainly what I saw online. Was just everybody like, "Why does this look so fucking bad?" Like, it no, I saw like- online that no, there's a lot of fucking. Yeah, from- they had a problem with her dancing with another woman. Everything from kids watch this, which is stupid, to. Her dancing is is belittling everything that is sacred and holy Marvel has ever given us. Jesus Christ. The, uh, the one thing I love that I saw online is uh, a mashup of her clapping cheeks and Hulk getting smashed backwards <laughs> in the first episode. The way With she did claps. the super claps. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I was like, this is what the internet's for. <laughs> Zip. This is fucking good shit. Um yeah, that's dumb. I was, I was. This was a fun episode overall. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I had, I had a good time. Um, let's go to go to moments of the week, though. Mike, what do you got? I have two. Uh, one, I think the judge says it in Pug's case uh, when the light elf says Asgard. She has de- debilitating immunity because Asgard is in those place. It's a people, and he says Thor's inspirational speeches are not admissible in court as evidence. Uh, and then. The, more than the twerking, Jen's "I will kill for you, Megan the Stallion." Yes. Uh, yeah. How intense it was! Really, <laughs> really got me. I mean, you, you 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 go first with saying your moments of the week, and then you have two, and then you just steal everyone's moment of the week right there with yeah. "I will kill." For you. <laughs> it was so intense. It's the switch of like Megan the Stallion just being like, "You're way more fun than my last one," and she was, "I'll fucking kill for you." Like, but the, the so way Maslani does it is like, "I'm a lawyer. I'm a fan." Fuck all that. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It was the most delightful cut screen. I loved it. Uh, that's yours too, Ryan? No, uh, I have another one, even though Mike took mine. In a way that Cassie, I, I feel like that Mike did that in a way where you should dock him points. But you host <laughs> however you want to host. Mm. Um, my other one is Wong sitting down and being like, well, um, I, if it's my fault that Emil Abomination Blonsky left his cell and went to the other realm. I apologize for that. And I'm going to leave. And just that whole, like, now that you're the Sorcerer Supreme, you can just sit in any chair and say whatever you want. And everyone just has to bow down to it. And everybody's like, no, that's what you did is illegal. And he's like, what? No, I'm, 
I'm the Sorcerer Supreme. It's like, buddy, that that title doesn't mean that much to really anybody on the planet. It sounds absurd, but also like the way he could just like casually walk out because like he's opened up a portal somewhere. What else are you gonna do? Like he's Uh, just like, okay, bye. I do want to give props to She-Hulk for Wong saying I'm the Sorcerer Supreme and somebody else not saying, "Oh, so you're a sorcerer with like sour cream and tomatoes on top." That I appreciate from this show. That would have been a level up. Level up? The normal Marvel way would have been like, the what? (laughs) And then they have to go back and forth about that. Um, She-Hulk is Thursdays on Disney+. Plus. Our next show of the week is Tales of the Walking Dead. On this week's episode of Tales of the Walking Dead, Samantha Morton plays D, a mother who takes her daughter and holes up in a vintage riverboat. Taste buds, I ask you this. Samantha Morton also plays Alpha. Is that weird? Like, I know that Tales from oh. the Walking Dead is like this uh, anthology show, but she also plays like one of the big bads of the last three years. Is, is she supposed to be the same character? No, this she is plays like D. Origin? This is D. Well, one, it's... No, I think that that uh, other okay. character was born named Alva, and this one is born named D. As long as it's a letter in some language, that is her name. Alpha D, yeah. I don't, to that, I would give this show a D minus. Excellent rating. If you want to watch that show, it's Sundays on AMC. Our next show is Sandman. On episode six and seven of Sandman, Dream spends a day with his sister, Death, who tries to get him to connect with humanity and reminds him that his friend, Rob, who, because of a deal he made, will never die as long as he checks in with Dream every hundred years. Later, we learn about Rose Walker, who is a vortex who could potentially bring about Dream's demise, but right now she's just trying to find her brother, Jed. Taste buds, I ask you... Did the check-in with Never Die Rob slow down the pacing of the series for you, or did it bring in more of that needed lore and character development? Oh, God. What a good question, because I love Hob. What's his name? I have Rob, but I think it's Hob. It's Hob something. Like there's, it's a, He has a famous character name, and I love this interaction, because it's like every hundred years, I'm going to check in with you after I give you um, immortality. And because I think that you're going to hate it. And he loves it. Mm-hmm. And that fucking pisses Dream off so much. And I really like, man, as much as I like Dream as a guy, I love watching him be pissed off. He's such, he's such a little bitch. He's <laughs> such uh, a little but, bitch. But my problem is, is that in the sixth episode, right? Mm-hmm. That first half was the episode with death. Yeah. And the Hob stuff really took away from that because that death episode. Cassie, this is like one of the most important comic book issues that has ever come out. What did you think about Death as a character? I thought, so like, I straight up, because I watched it early on in the week, I had to remind myself that this was the same episode because that right. first half was so, like, beautiful. I love, like, I love the character of Death and how they have, like, imagined her and brought her to life. The fact that they show her, like, caring so much about, like, the way she cares about the people she's reaping, essentially. Um, like it's not like overly done. It's casual. It's literally just like they come up to her, like, "Hey, what's up?" And she is just like there as a friend, and they like instantly get it. And it's like it's perfect. It's like the best rendering of death I've seen. Rendering she's not like, the right word, but like she's like, "Hey, bud," and they're not. They're like, "Oh, I, they're not like, oh, get away from me." They're like, "I, yeah. under, I understand." No fear, like not never like overly sad kind of just like accepting it and it's just like this bonding moment between the two and i'm like dang that hits harder than like any of the others and she is you have not met 
the rest of the family yet, right? You've met Desire. Mm-hmm. Desire. Oh, the messy bitch Desire. Despair. Mm-hmm. Despair is sitting in the chair. In, uh, but So all we know is death and dream. And as far as we know, death is the most like balanced, totally fine, perfect person. Death. Death. The Grim Reaper is the one who's like, no, I get my life and I know how to run it. And this is what she does. And she seems like the fucking connector of all of them. Like she, I don't know if it's just oh, yeah. connection. Everyone has that sibling that's like, oh, we all go through this one person. Yeah. And she just seems to be like this point who like, you know, she like went out of her way to be like, hey, you're lost right now. Like, let me set you on your path and real like make you re-realize like why you do what you do. And I was like, wow, what a touching family moment from death. Thank you. And loves her job, appreciates her job. The thing mm. is too, is that, in the, uh, I don't know. There was a lot of controversy with the casting, Cassie, because this actress is black, Great. and the one in the comic books is white. So people had a lot of problem with that. And the way that people would think about the one in the comic books is like a wacky sort of manic pixie dream girl. Like I'm death. I'm a cuckoo. Mm-hmm. But I've read that issue before watching this episode, and she's not like that. And I think that uh, Kirby, this actress does an incredible job of playing it. Like, the whole, like, a little aloof, a little, like, isn't it fun to walk without shoes? Yeah. But not sure. to- but not totally gone. Still, like, about- I have a job to do, and I'm going yeah, like, to do that job. Her, like, other wor- worldliness, like, or wackiness that she brings is just, like, this, like, grounded, perfect, like, in-between. I-, I thought she was amazing. Like, how, like, Caitlin loves the actor who plays dream or morpheus and like i've never connected but like it was with her that i was like okay i get the tone of the show i get like i get this character this one yes. is good so i was all about it people are it, people on the internet dumb let's not talk about them anymore they're terrible people uh and then it fades into death introducing dream to hob and i sort of just think i know this doesn't matter in this binge industry but I think that I would have rather had it stop being an episode. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, let's just have a 25-minute episode with Death, and then let's do the Hob episode. Because yeah. it sort of wiped out Death, right? Like, it, it yeah. overtook Death. And Death is an important... It's like one of the most important issues of comics. Uh, as far as Hob goes, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. It was cool. I feel like I could have done with, like, maybe one less check-in. I do love a Hob and to see, like, all of his transformations and how he grew and stuff like it was fun to check in with him i just there was something about it where i felt like it was a little too long but i do i, I did enjoy it in 1980 mm-hmm. he pulls up in that porsche and yeah. i wish he pulled up in 1880 and 1780 i whatever the version of the porsche is at that point i wish he pulled up in that i want to see that carriage <laughs> i want to see that fucking sweet horse-driven carriage whatever the porsche version is um <laughs> But yeah, I like I think that that half of the episode goes a long way into talking about what I've been talking about when we talk about Sandman, which is Sandman's a fucking dick. Like mm-hmm. he is a petty bitch. And oh, yeah. that doesn't make him any less powerful. In fact, it makes him more powerful. But we have to sit here and watch him be just a fucking baby sometimes, you know? Yes. And this episode opened up with him being the pettiest bitch sitting on a bench, sadly feeding birds. And I was like, yes, this emo fuck is doing it. This is, this is it. This is Sandman. 
Man, uh, I don't even need to take out your headphones. I know you're listening to Panic at the Disco right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Hobbs calls him out on it and says, look, man, we're friends. We're literally friends. And he's like, what? I don't have friends. I never need anyone. I've never needed anyone. Like, shut the fuck up, Sandman. That's what I think this show should be called. Shut the fuck up, Sandman. <laughs> Honestly, would love it. Um, and then the next episode, we do get a lot of, you know, this upcoming plot. This is where we figured out there's this vortex. Um, she could be the demise of Dream, and the, but then also the three escaped nightmares. Are they three nightmares? I know Corinthian for sure is, but then there's... Like yeah, two others. It's cool that right when uh, there's very clearly three tools that Sandman needs to collect, he gets those. <laughs> and then what What should I do now? Oh, here's three more things I need to collect. <laughs> and it's Corinthian. Um, then there's the Changer Girl. I can't remember her name. And then Fielder's Green. And yeah. so he has to go get all three of those. Um, and then we, we get into the doll's house with Rose something. Um, Walker, I Rose think. Walker, and I th- I think that's fine. What are you into more, the Rose Walker little brother mystery, or the fact that there's a fucking serial killer convention, and they're trying to get <laughs> the Corinthian to show up? That was that was the hardest part to grasp for some reason for me. It was just like the fact that we were dealing with so much, and then we just checked in on a diner, and there's these three fucking insane motherfuckers just like. We have our collectors. Uh, they need to get the Corinthian. Let's keep get, getting eyeballs until we get his attention. And I was like, this show has lost me at this these couple seconds we spend with these people. We we just got out of a diner, by the way. We were just yeah. trapped in a diner for 24 hours. Now we're back in a diner. And Cassie, don't shit on collectors. Like, you're collecting Pokemon cards and Magic cards at a nonstop rate. They're oh, collecting eyeballs. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, but yeah, that was, I was definitely more into the Jed and Rose, like what's happening with Jed and all that, um, and her trying to find her brother. I'm excited to see like, you know, cause the episode ended with this vortex being straight up in dream space somehow, yeah. which is wild. So I'm, um, I'm super excited for the next episode coming up. Uh, that is all the time we have to talk about. So let's go to moments of the week. What do you got, Ryan? Oh, it's so clear to me. Uh, desire. Who is becoming like the Thanos of this show, right? Like at the end of every episode, like Desire is coming. But Desire has a twin. And in the comics, Despair is drawn as like one of the most grotesque things you can ever imagine. Here, she's just a kind of chubby woman. And like her makeup is done, underdone. But how do we make Despair as grotesque as possible? Cassie, did you see her shoes? No, I didn't see her shoes. She's wearing Crocs, Cassie. That's how they do it. That is how they make her as disgusting as possible. I love my Crocs. Crocs are so good. She was just like a super depressed lady, essentially. And like the fact that they put her in Crocs, like that should have been giving her some joy. I feel like the Crocs are the only thing pushing her through her days, like getting her through. And um, thank you, Crocs, for your service. The way I was watching the show is I was watching it with my wife and her feet were like up. You know, like uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, elevated while we were watching. And as they cut to despair shoes, they mirrored exactly my wife's black <laughs> Crocs that looked identical to what despair was wearing. And my, lo- my wife laughed hard. 
Did you ask your <laughs> wife if she's okay? No, it's all despair. All of uh, all of you, <laughs> put some fucking Converse on. Crocs are delightful. You should welcome them into your life. Um, my moment of the week. It's not one that everybody could experience. It was a. Uh, um, it was just having Caitlin there and watching it with her and her trying to determine which versions of Morpheus throughout these check-ins with Hob um, were hot and not. Yeah. Because it would, it would really, like the first one we saw with the long hair, it took her a good five minutes to determine if he was hot or not. Oh, if, if, was- if I was a billionaire, I would donate $100 million to Hollywood TV shows, which that needs money the most, for wig work. Can we work on these wigs? The first Sandman going in to talk to Hobbs looks absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it's so nasty and so clearly like it's fried and just nasty. It's the wildest thing. The only thing um, that would have looked worse is if he tied Crocs to his hair. <laughs> no. Fashion Ryan, look it up. Uh Sandman is on Netflix. Our next show of the week is Resident Alien. On this week's Resident Alien, Zahar and Harry are in a classic adult napping versus kidnapping as the two team up to try to get the alien baby back. Unfortunately, they are not successful, and the government agents end up taking the baby as and a whole ass RV. Meanwhile, the town is angry about the proposed resort coming into town, and the sheriff is thinking about going back to D.C. Taste Ryan, I ask you, are you excited for this future Zahar and Harry team up that's gotta now happen to get that baby back? Oh, Cassie, you know that I am. Look, look, look at them together. They're they're constantly yes. like, uh, I mean, Sahara is a full-grown adult in yes. the body of a child. And uh, Harry is a full-grown baby in the body of an adult. Yes, t- them together is amazing. It's this weird, like, she's a full-grown adult, but then, you know, Harry's childness, because she is also a child, will sometimes get her. Like, you know, he was like... She was like, okay, we got to go get this baby. And he was like, yes, but pizza first. And then she was like, no. But then also was like, I could do some pizza. Or and also like, them like breaking down the definitions of kidnapping together in a <laughs> in a high school bathroom. They're like, here's who's kidnapping who. And just the back and forth. Cassie, this is the fucking funniest show on TV. I can't believe how much I laughed in this episode. It's so delightful. It, like every week I'm like, surely... This, like, last week was the best. Like, this week can't top itself in delightfulness. And it does, Ryan. Every week, it's the best. Um, We do have, so, th- like, you know, we did get a little bit of, um, it's Halloween as well. So we do have that going on to just add to a little bit of it. Um, Did that, like, the Halloweenness kind of, like, took away from it for me? I don't know why. I think it was the fact that we had to deal with the mayor's kid for so long as Frankenstein. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of Halloween I want to talk about, uh, and I'm going to try to avoid talking about Sonny and Cher. The mayor's wife is dressed as Cher. Like, she has kids coming over, and she's dressed mm-hmm. in that, that little red bikini you thing. You were going to avoid so, it. Okay, so I'm going to move on. So <laughs> yeah. let's, get to, let's get to Max, who um, uh, has to do some things in order to save the world. And Sahar says, look, man, the only way that you can do this is with a suppository. And so... Max doesn't understand what that means, so he's like, uh, no, that's too big to swallow. Sahar's like, mm, you're not going to swallow this, buddy. Wait, so he goes in my butt? <laughs> yes, this, this, is the, this is the TV show. I'm going to straight up admit, I have watched that talks about an eight-year-old's butt the most <laughs> out of any TV show I've ever watched. But he, the TV show does not cut away from this, Cassie. TV oh, show no. 
has Max grab the suppository and says, my butt, my butt, my butt will save the world. And then he gets up and goes into the fucking bathroom to put something in his fucking anus. Gold. That's why we love this show. There was a lot of, so when we opened up this episode, we are, I believe, 60 years into the future with oh, yeah. Alien Harry walking around a dead earth. Did you and feel like you missed an episode? I thought that. Dude. I like I had to go back because I did miss you know last week's and I was like I went and watched it though I was like no you 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 did the work you caught up and I was like I don't know how we got here yeah and, we're just here and Earth is not going well guys mm-hmm. uh, they're here to report from the future uh, it's bad it's on fire and only aliens can survive there only specifically Harry uh, but it was just it was so confusing and thrown out from like left field which is unlike this show and i just don't know how to process it or where they're going with it i don't i don't know either i mean we can talk about the uh surprise ending you know like the mm-hmm. twist ending at the end of this episode but like for the whole shooting of the future thing like harry is just on a wasteland we're all heading towards that i guess that's what we have to deal with like this is i don't know i guess it's to add stakes to the show that we already know I, that's all I can guess, while also trying to maybe teach us about climate change. I don't know. I think, like, that, yeah, I think that we should be learning about climate change at all it's times. So important, not just while watching Resident Alien, <laughs> but ideally while watching Resident Alien. Yeah, that's the best time. There was, uh, we did get a little t- uh, catch up with the sheriff, who his bu- DC buddy is now leaving. Yeah, and. The fucking deputy tried to be the MVP wing woman and set him up, and he just completely shut it down. I was like, damn. I love this dynamic and the fact that we might be losing him. Like, surely that's just a story, that plot that will go away. Like, we're not going to lose him to DC, right? I mean, like, I like to guess and, but he's the kind of character who's like, sure if. Sure if. He's the sheriff. There it is. There it is. So proud of you. You did it. Uh, he did it instantly. Don't besmirch my good friend Ryan like that. That was a pure, amazing joke. Fuck you, Cassie. Pure, amazing joke. Is I've been trying were... to not listen, but I had to jump in to defend him. It was good. <laughs> Such a good friend. Uh, let's go ahead and go to moments of the week. Ryan, what do you got? Oh, uh, Cassie. If, hmm. There's the, uh, the mayor is trying to like get like this whole resort to happen. Mm-hmm. But that's not working. So uh, he goes home, and then Halloween happens, and he dresses like Sonny, and his wife dresses like Cher. Great. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know why yes. I asked this. Of course it was. Did you watch this episode? <laughs> Whew, I forgot. Oh, we did. I do want to mention, we didn't really talk about it, but at the end, we do get this ending of where um, we're briefly back in the future. And there's there's a lot happening here. So there is an art book that Goliath left behind. I'm sorry, an art what? Book. 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 Okay, you said book. A book. I didn't know what art. you. I don't know what you meant, but book. Okay. Art book, and it has scenes of essentially Harry and Asta's experiences. So they start questioning this, and then we find out like there was a time portal. So at some point, we do have we find out that Harry is Goliath. And this is where the show completely lost me. I'm so Asta, confused. I, no, honestly, Cassie, I, I, I think that's what we're supposed to be. Because if you and I are in the same place, then what else could anybody else be? But uh, they, they open up the book and Asta's like, wait, Harry, are you Goliath? Mm-hmm. And then it turns to Harry. 
And Harry starts to cry slash jism slash I don't know. I don't know what reaction we're supposed to get from this. But something yeah. crazy happened. I just didn't understand it. And yeah. I need I need to put my phone down and actually watch this show. <laughs> I'm hoping we get some answers next week with that because as of right now, just confused. They've never done this type of thing to us before, so it's No, this is big. This, this is, is big new territory with them. Um so we'll see what happens next week. I'll go back to my moment of the week now, which is um of course just checking in with the sheriff. Um the, when he was like, you know, we wrongly accused this person, we found out um, who actually murdered, I believe, the doctors who they were trying to figure out. So they're, he's trying to apologize to the woman they imprisoned and everything. And he's giving her a sheriff's hat. And she's clearly like, you know, um, I lost my home, this yeah. ruined my life. And uh, his response of saying, uh, uh, like, some people say that a hat is a home for your head. Perfect. Classic sheriff. <laughs> loved it. Delivery was great. I'm... Cassie, I know that we have to move out of here, but uh, you brought up the sheriff. So what about how the deputy is like, oh, there should be a movie about me. He's like, oh, that that should be a movie, but I'm going to play me. And in that movie, I will uh, fight a Sasquatch and be the entire star of the movie. And he just lays it all out. And the deputy is never mentioned once in her biopic. The sheriff. Top hmm. choice. Love that guy. Top choice. Uh, you should be watching Resident Alien. It's a Wednesdays on Sci-Fi. Our next show is Lock and Key. In the sixth and seventh episodes of Lock and Key, Gideon's henchman grabs leverage to use against the locks as Tyler and Kinsey look for a way to help Bodie, who's devising a clever plan of his own. Meanwhile, the villains up the ante by forcing Ellie to take him to the key, missing key, putting an old classmate's life in line. Taste buds, I ask you this. What's a key that you could have used this week? Uh, I could have used a monkey. Making me laugh. Bringing me, bring me things. Suit. Yeah. Wearing a little diaper. Yeah. A little pogo. Just being a little pogo. Just being a little just pogoing all around. Ryan, someday I make you this promise. Someday I will get you a if, monkey. I just want a monkey, man. If there's I one know. person who should you want not a, monkey, have a monkey, man, I feel like it's Ryan. I don't trust this man. I don't trust monkeys. Why? I specifically, don't trust you, with uh, a monkey. Do you what know what do you think he would do, Cassie? Do you hate the incredible treatment of monkeys? Do you think that they should be treated poorly, and that's why you don't <laughs> yeah. want me to have Cassie one? Cassie hates monkeys. She's always like, I I'd would kick, kick Pogo every his monkey in their teeth. teeth except for Pogo. I fucking love Pogo. Okay, it goes Megan Lee Stallion, then Pogo. I but can't I believe monkeys? you just said that. God damn it! What if Pogo twerked? What yeah. if, yeah, what if She-Hulk, Pogo, and Megan <laughs> Thee Stallion all twerked in a room? That's my sexuality. Somebody <laughs> finally has defined key. it. Speaking of, it's on Netflix. You can watch it week by week with us. Our next show of the week is Harley Quinn. Oh, shit. Did I tell you guys about that movie that I just watched? No. What movie? Tom Hardy was, like, driving for hours. Lock! In order to get to... Uh, the non-jorted peel half of Key and Peel. To Key? It was Locking called Lock and Key, and I, it was amazing. <laughs> On this week's episode of Harley Quinn, the gang goes into Bruce's memories to see if they can find Frank. Turns out that his memories are basically one memory, played over and over again. I bet you can't guess which one. Uh, it's the one that makes Harley say, I can't believe we're being subjected to this multiple times. <laughs> this, I felt like... Hold on. Th- when everyone no. <laughs> but Harley gets kicked out of Wayne Town, it's up to Harley and a young Bruce to defeat Joe Chill and find Frank. Taste buds, I ask you this. Was this, Mike, the final word on Crime Fucking Alley? 
Yes. Uh, if if somebody's going to deal with the real world and breaking the fourth wall, I do think... I, I like She-Hulk, it sounds like, more than you guys do. But this Harley Quinn episode destroyed She-Hulk and how we're dealing with the real world and other incarnations of things. Uh, and Harley just being like, we don't need to see this ever again. And she is right. I... Halfway through this episode, I was like, well, this is the worst episode of Harley Quinn of all time because we don't need to see this fucking pearl-shattering, Zorro-ending, alley-criming scene ever again. And then... So we see it again and again and again and again. I could not believe how fucking poignant this episode was. And it was because of her. I think that this is the best heroizing of a villain that we have seen in recent times. Like... She's really struggling and going through it. In the way even we, or maybe especially we on this show, talk about it. Uh, yeah, I think it's easy to forget about Harley in her own show. I know. That's crazy. Everybody else is so wackadoo. Uh, and she is wackadoo, so it's easy to be like, well, we get what you're doing. But yeah, uh, she's amazing at what Kaylee Cuoco is doing with her, I think, is awesome. We n- we do not talk about Kaylee Cuoco enough. There's one point no. where uh, she's dressed as Robin and uh-huh. like sort of throws up her... Kate? That's my sexuality. Yeah, I, I was treading so lightly and not lightly enough. As Ryan has share, I have Harley Quinn dressed as Robin. Um, and she's like, "Come on, this is this is basically a thong," and then laughs a little bit. And that's like that's real voice acting. Like, yeah, I think Kaylee Cuoco is Mark Hamill level. Yes, she is not. Let's put a. She is not like, like you know the new celebrity, Kevin Hart or The Rock. Right. Right. It's you can't t- tell it's her. She does not sound like she normally sounds. The other thing, Mike, and you know how much I hate dream episodes, and I guess this sort of counts, right? The, like, this is memory world, which is similar to dream episode. But mm-hmm. at the end, the end was so fucked up. The end of this episode is so fucked up uh, because Joe Chill the entire time. Did you see this one coming? No, it did not guess that it was Bruce. It's Bruce Wayne, and he's like, "No, little Bruce Wayne, we have to go back." And we have to relive it because the only way that Bruce Wayne is it, uh, survives is by being Batman. And the only way that Batman survives is by being Bruce Wayne. And the only way that Bruce Wayne survives is by being Batman. Like, he has to keep the cycle going. And I have not seen a better 22-minute version of men don't do therapy. They have podcasts. Uh-huh. Like, that tweet about how, like... Like, we will avoid everything. Men won't go to therapy. They'll just watch their parents get killed over and over <laughs> yeah. and over again. Like, this is the best version of that tweet. Like, men yes. won't go to therapy. They'll just watch, they'll go duck hunting or whatever the fuck. It, yeah, it's of all the modern takes on Batman and, and Twitter, I think is a good thing to bring up of people. He just beats up poor people. This is the best takedown of Batman and how he's fucked up. It's not just that, yes, as a millionaire, Bruce could save Gotham in different ways. It's that he is trapped in this vicious cycle, which is why we, every goddamn two and a half years, have to see pearls hit the ground and explode in every direction. I just, where is Flo Rida's song about pearls hitting the ground? Like, stop singing about apple bottom jeans. Like, those pearls need to hit the ground, and that's how we're going to do it. And those uh, pearls hit the ground, everybody's hands go whoop. Harley also handles what you just said, Mike, in this in this episode when she's like, uh, well, couldn't you just, like, pay for housing? And Bruce yeah. says, wait, poor people have to pay for housing? <laughs> yeah, so, he, he says people pay for housing? <laughs> just, uh, this show is very smart and very funny, Ryan. And also, Cassie's going to be pissed she didn't watch it because at a certain what? point, Harley says, ka 
I thought this was an incredible episode. Uh, Harley like, said Kachow, and I screamed I'm not Cassie. watching this one. I'm going to go back. I have to witness it. It... We did, do you know why it's awesome that this is a good dream episode? Is because so many dream episodes are bad, except Batman the Animated Series had a great dream episode where Scarecrow trapped him in a dream and he couldn't read, and that's how he learned he was in a dream because he kept trying to pick up books and it was all gibberish. I know that was a dope episode. And Batman's memories, Bruce's memories, that whole decor was straight up B Taz. All right, the, Cassie, the, we do have to talk about silhouette. this. You think that Mike gets frothy yeah. and jizzy over X Taz? <laughs> it's actually more so for B-Taz, and this episode has constant throwbacks to B-Taz. We're legally not allowed to talk about B-Taz on the show because I will have a heart attack. <laughs> Doctor's orders. But I, I, I was thinking about you a lot, Mike. Thinking about you Thank a lot. You. Like this, this episode gives me a lot of reasons to think about you. Take that for uh, good or ill. But uh, there's a point where Batman and Harley dressed as Robin are at the ledge of a building. Mm-hmm. And the red light and the lightning yes. crashes behind them, and whew, I was thinking about you, Mike. It was so Betas and Harley dealing with her past self, which just straight up is Betas Harley with a thick Brooklyn accent and absurd Joker love, and, and like having to deal with who she used to be. Betas is the most Batman has tried to deal with himself. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is probably number two, and in the number two, he is a fucked up fucked up crazy person you know yes. like that's that's the difference is that uh, all other iterations of batman besides those two he is insane yeah and what i like is that this is not centering him right this is how other, somebody else who is the protagonist of their own story views him and so it's probably more accurate i do have to point out uh mike that uh we recorded tonight an episode of movie of the year we did call about victor victoria Yes, we did. That was basically a two-hour Fraser episode. It was. And this episode of Harley Quinn started off with Harley Quinn realizing what a fucking Fraser episode this was and had the intro of Fraser. Fraser in the lens of B-Taz was the intro to Harley Quinn. And yes, if that's Mike's childhood to a fucking T, which just explains why I am the way I am. This is Toss like my salad and scramble my eggs. This is like uh, all of the characters of X Tasmania coming together to recreate an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what this episode did for Mike. While trying to stop my older brother from doing drugs. <laughs> Adorable. Uh, besides all the B Tas stuff, uh, <laughs> did you guys have moments of the week? I'll start with Mike. Of course. You know I have two. Does that mean yeah, Ryan should wanna, go first? Because I don't want to steal one of his. I, I already said mine, but uh, when she says, and this goes this, uh, goes right up my ass like a thong. <laughs> uh, one of mine also centers on her ass is uh, when she is, she. I don't even remember why, but she turns around and shows eight-year-old Bruce her ass and then realizes how fucked up that is. Yeah, how come she says, look how great my ass looks in these booty shorts to an eight-year-old. Yeah. But when I do that. It's not fair. I think you should be able to do it, and you should do it more often. Uh, and then also, speaking of podcasts, Dr. Psycho now has a podcast, and he will only help if Harley will guest on his podcast. Incorrect, Mike. He is broadcasting, not podcasting. He's doing live commercials. He's taking callers. Why is he not doing a podcast is the actual question. But he calls it a podcast, and just like uh, Chris Gethard's show, uh, Beautiful Anonymous, they take callers. I don't know. I think that he's attached to old school radio. 
Do you think the writers don't know what they're talking about? I, d- I do think that. You know what? We should probably write for this show. Uh, um, writers for Harley Quinn, call us up right now. <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you live. Uh, Let's do it. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, this is Justin Happer. Do you guys like this show or shit my dad said my first show better? Oh, my God. I'm so nervous <laughs> to talk to you. I have to hang up. Bye. <laughs> oh, that's just like shit my dad said. Harley Quinn is Thursdays on HBO Max. Our final show of the week is Stargirl. On the premiere of Stargirl Frenemies, not everyone is on board with a second chance thing for the town's baddies. As half of the JSA is resisting Cindy's in it, uh, Cindy's joining of the JSA, and everyone is questioning the gambler. Meanwhile, Sylvester is making the most of his second chance and the opportunity to be a part-time star man that Courtney gave him. Taste buds, I ask you, are you excited about the new additions to the JSA? Yes. Yes. Guys, have you ever been... Less confused about the themes of a season than watching this episode and every conversation being like, second chance. Are you sure? Hmm. It sounds like a good idea. I don't know, though. Should we? Let's do it. My wife walked by a few times while I was watching this, and I kept trying to explain why it's not a fucking stupid show, and it's actually amazing, (laughs) and because all the characters are based on Golden Age comic characters, and she... (laughs) <laughs> signed divorce papers as I did that. This is not a stupid show because it is a children's show that is shot mm-hmm. like an HBO show. That fucking and- intro where like they're doing a slow version of Neil Diamond's America and uh-huh. it comes in and we're just like seeing the characters again for the first time. That's not in the CW shows. This show does not belong on the CW. This is closer to HBO Max than the CW. And it's still a better Kids show, adult show, whatever show. Like, it handles topics better than the fucking Flash. Everything handles. At all. Especially when Topic Handler came in and told you <laughs> all like, how to do that. do we give this guy a second chance? I don't know. Uh, but we do have... It's literally everyone the town is deciding, like, if we can even trust, you know, um, Sportsmaster's family. All I know is, like, Artemis and all of them. But yeah. I do love how, like, literally everybody has the opinion of, like... These, this fucked up family who has now decided to become the most suburban ass family and like if they can trust them I am loving everything about this <laughs> I I love them I love that they live across the street I love that he breaks into 530 <laughs> to make juices to I run swear to pack. god if Mike lived across the street from me he would literally kick the door in with not needing a key and make me <laughs> blended juices Yes. Hours before I woke up. Like that's why Ryan has an injunction and I had to move a state away. Mike is that guy. Thank you. That's the (laughs) nicest thing you've ever said. But we do have like there's definitely like levels of these second chances. So there's their family, you know, they're trying to just like be normal families. Uh Artemis is trying to make it into the JSA. The family (laughs) with a great tryout. She was right. The way the JSA was going to go beat up some goons, and she came in and took them all out in 15 <laughs> seconds and went, great tryout. I know, guys, but the whole point is for court to feel like court. And uh, Jeff from Community is taking away the staff on one side. Artemis is destroying all the bad guys on the other side. At a certain point, mm. she's going to be like, why am I necessary? Oof. This is where the drama comes from. Oh, because I do like that she's the voice, and other people are calling on Eve, but she's the voice of hope and compassion. And in in all rounds, because 
she's fighting her best friends to let Cindy and Artemis on the team. Uh-huh. And then her mom is like, uh, Starman, you told Courtney yeah. you would never use the staff again. And Courtney's like, we're <laughs> figuring it out, Mom. Back yeah. off a little. <laughs> there's another, but there's another part with Pat. Pat, multiple times, this is Luke Wilson, her stepdad, is like, well, Courtney didn't. Courtney said we weren't allowed to use the staff right now. It's like, shit, Pat, you're the adult in the room. You know that, right? He's, he says that and then gets offended when uh, Sylvester Pemberton still is like, and you'll be my sidekick. And that's when I, I know. Knew, hold on, oh. Mike. Hold on. I just want to say to the audience, Mike did not look down at notes to say the word Sylvester no. Pemberton. That came straight from his brain pan. It's not on my notes. It's not written down anywhere. I just know the character's name. Uh that is also one of the times where my wife walked by and just snorted and went, <laughs> Sylvester Pemberton. What is this? This is a good name. That's show? some Riverdale stuff, how they are always on good names. Sylvester Pen- Pemberton, fucking good. Fun. Uh, the moment I knew he was a bad guy. Uh, yeah, when it was played Joel by Joel McHale. Well, he's played by Joel McHale. Yeah. No, but it is that he said to his adult male friend whose mustache he keeps overcomplimenting, uh, and you'll be my sidekick, yeah. Stripesy. Adults <laughs> shouldn't have adult sidekicks, guys. And just before our guy, our bro, our best friend, Luke Wilson's like, well, I don't know about sidekick. He moves on to say, man, I have I told you how much I appreciate you? That's how you guys get, that's how you trick adults. Just before <laughs> they're about to say something to you, just be like, have I told you how much I love you? That's it. That's all you have to do. His, his, I know we're bouncing all around here. He's but back. We're just it's so exciting. Stargirl's back. I love, I'm so <laughs> pumped. Uh, he told Courtney, and I think he's, she's the only one he's told how he came back, is he woke up in his own coffin and had to dig his way out. Yeah. That was very mellowly yeah. horrifying in the middle of this episode. Uh, speaking of that, you know who's going to have a not hard time of that? Solomon Grundy. Hey, Rick, can we get better <laughs> at fucking digging graves? Do you think that? Do you think that's possible? I pictured because they didn't really show it because he's like everywhere the shade tells me to bury him. We've seen Solomon Grundy alive. He's a very big man, uh, and I've heard that corpses weigh even more. So Rick is just carrying this giant ass <laughs> corpse. Well, he turns his hour man thing on. <laughs> sure, it but it's work. not easy. And, and the problem is Solomon Grundy uh, buried on a Monday, uh, funeraled on a Tuesday. It takes so many days. So many days, and that's I think that's what he's missing. He's not bearing him on a Monday. Uh, is it Bono elected, elected on Tuesday? What is he needs to listen to the Wyclef song or yeah. bury him deeper Solomon than Grundy. like a two inch deep hole? Like that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like that he is putting <laughs> taking random dirt like, and like putting him on the surface, <laughs> like surface of the him. earth. He's like, I don't know why he's not coming back to life, and then and th- and then when he's done putting him on the surface of the earth and sprinkling him with dirt, he's like, <laughs> fuck, this isn't going to work. I'm Rick, man. Well, this sucks. Yeah. We know Rick is a dummy. Well, Rick, who has beaten people to death, uh-huh. uh, says there's no way Cindy... Which is his current Game of Thrones name. Beaten people to death. And that, that he says there's no way Cindy... That, that there's no way they could trust Cindy or Artemis. One, Artemis has... I don't think he ever yeah. done anything wrong other than be kind of a jockish bully. Uh, Cindy, we know, is tortured. If anybody should be given second chances, it's the other children out in the world. I would say Artemis from the start of this. Run the gang. You, you got to finish it at keep least going three. Rapping for her. <laughs> I thought I thought what I did was pretty good. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me Google something. It was 
pretty good. But I thought there is like the each time we had like they all sat at the lunch table and Cindy pulled up her chair like and they were like going around like at that point I was like we can get rid of Rick and put in Cindy 100% and this team so much better. Like I'm all for sure. I yes, yeah. I but love Cindy Rick is kind of a stinkeroo. Don't you don't you guys kind of want them to not pull up another chair and have Cindy sort of isn't Cindy more fun as a villain? Do we have to keep doing this? I think this show more than any other is perfect at this. Do you think we're gonna have a seven man JSA pretty soon with like yes. villains and heroes? Yes, and I think that's this is the 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 way the show will work is Courtney will start failing in herself and believing everybody else because Pat doesn't trust Crusher and his family. Uh, the JSA Junior doesn't want Cindy. She believes in the gambler. Like she's gonna doubt herself in the middle. And be like, you guys are right, and then by the end, be like, no, it is all about trust. Because that's the arc of this whole show. Is Cindy is oh no, I'm sorry, Courtney is always right. Cindy, Cindy was walking past an old lady with groceries by a fountain, <laughs> and I thought in. for sure <laughs> she was gonna shove that old lady's ass. And then she she turned around and walked back and said. Uh, I'm so sorry. Can I help you with your groceries? But what she should have said is, I didn't push you into that fountain. That makes me a superhero. One of my moments of the week uh, is that, and it's not just that she turned around and helped her. Before she did it, she did the <laughs> biggest eye roll in Guinness World Records history. And because she was like, I get, and then nobody was there to watch her. None of the JSA yep, Junior were that's there. That's it. It was like, I think, I guess I have to be a goddamn good at shoes hero and help this old lady with a cane with ridiculously large well, groceries but like this is this is the one point of i'm gonna say joel McHale's conversations that makes the most sense because he's so obviously bad he's only yes. saying bad things but at one point he's like wow your family really gives literally everyone a mm-hmm. second chance it really doesn't matter huh like it doesn't matter what they do uh i, I do sort of think that that's gonna backfire on which one do you think it'll be Cindy or the Sportsmaster Tigress Artemis? The whole or? family. I think that the the Pete family is going to it's going to backfire on like on the Dugan. I, I I do think that maybe we got a whole uh, snippet of the entire season in one second where uh, Pat comes in and locks the door mm-hmm. and Courtney goes back and unlocks the door mm-hmm. and then Pat says like no we should lock the door. I think that's going to be the entire season. So that's pretty conservative then of the show. If the goal is we should lock the door, I don't. Do you guys lock your door yeah. when you're home? Fucking oh yeah. I mean, I just do on instinct. Okay, I don't. So I, I, I uh, my door is <laughs> no, open. No, we all know how you live, right? Filterinos, <laughs> if you learn where Ryan lives, uh, there just was nobody owned a house key for a decade plus to the house. I just, my door's open to like anybody who wants to hang He's out. I'm sorry guy. that I like hanging out. <laughs> yeah, you're real. <laughs> All right, cool. Mike, you started moments of the week, so let's go back to it. Um, Ryan, what do you got? Oh, uh, my moment of the week is how uh, stupid men are. Because you could see Pat saying, well, you did tell Courtney that you're going to leave that staff for her, but... You want to fly with my <laughs> robot? Hell yeah! And then Pat and fucking what's his name? Sylvester. Sylvester Pemberton, of course. Go up into the so air good. and save a plane. Uh, Mike, did you say you had another moment of the week, or that? 
Yeah, no, I have another one. It's the very first line got me so pumped. I was already pumped because Stargirl came back, but the very first line of this is a voiceover a la, uh, what was that show with Terry Hatcher? Desperate Housewives. A la te- Desperate Housewives where the, the dead person is going to narrate this season. The gambler says, <laughs> this is a tale of trust. Oh, yeah. A tale of heartache. And, and a tale <laughs> of moida. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hell, yes! <laughs> so good. Uh, my moment of the week is, we've kind of already touched on it, but it is when Artemis showed up to that fight and just kicked everyone's ass. But specifically, the way she did it in her energy, because she has very Ninja Turtle energy. Like... <laughs> It was straight. That was a scene straight out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two colon The Secret of the Use. She's like, Casey Jones. The music, sure. like, wasn't it Technotronic? It wasn't <laughs> it. Was it? Well. Da, 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 da. Like, it was straight like out of a Ninja Turtles. Her, like her movie. gear even makes her have like a little bit of a shell, and like the way she lifts her hand, I was like, this is full Ninja Turtle, and I love it so much. I can't wait for her to be a part of the team. Uh, you should absolutely be. She's got to be. She will never be uh, part of this team. Stargirl is Wednesdays on the CW. Never. You should watch it. That is it for this pull list, guys. We did it. We made it through everything, which now means it's time for your interview, Ryan. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit, but do you want to tease it, set it up a little bit? Yeah, this is just the first half. Uh, Nick and I just get to oh. know each other, flirt a little bit, and uh, we talk about his podcast and my podcast. Every time he talks about his podcast, I'm like, <laughs> bo, 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 buddy. I have a podcast too, and I Sorry, interject that. You know, don't want the people to. But yeah, that's how it goes about the show that they're listening to. So thank you for your hard work. Yeah, that the, they're um, currently so listening to. So let's go ahead and catch to, that yeah. interview right now. Thank you, Cassie. I am here today with Nick, who is the host, sometimes guest, but typically the host of the hit podcast. None of my friends. <laughs> Like comics, which I'm going to say is a misnomer right off the bat. The first thing I like to ask my guests is, why did you name your show poorly? Because it seems to me <laughs> that none of your friends read comics, but they actually do like comics when they read them, right? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I've run into a couple so far. I've, I, I mean, like the, the the truth of the matter is, is that we're only um, uh, about. I don't know, maybe like twenty twenty two episodes in by the time that this comes out, and so like. Mm. Uh, um, I've been, I've played it somewhat safe cause I know my friends well and f- friends and family that are on the show. And, uh, so yeah, I mean like, uh, typically speaking, they, they usually end up liking it or finding some merit in it. Um, but it's more about just getting them to talk to me about it in general than I guess seeing if they like it or not. <laughs> I hope you challenge yourself. I hope you find some people who are just like, I fucking hate comics and talk to them for three hours i'll get them on there one day one day you know I, uh, <laughs> brett, I, I, brett is, my friend brett is pretty close he, he yeah. doesn't really care <laughs> like, i already know what your show is about but our listeners might not so why don't you let's pretend that i am a you know those like huge podcast ceos that are always you know the billionaires who are looking to buy <laughs> new podcasts uh pitch to me why i should pay you one million dollars a year for this show Ooh, I don't know if anyone should pay me $1 million a year for anything. But if I were to pitch it to somebody, um, I would say that um, I am a big uh, comic book enthusiast. Um, I like to think of myself as pretty well-rounded in that regard. Like I like all kinds of genres, different writers, artists, all that kind of stuff, and find a vast appreciation for it. And I really am of the uh, impression that comic books can be for everybody. It's a medium that I think that everyone can find something in that they really truly relate to or love. 
And um, I just, uh, as the as the show would say, um, uh, or the title of the show kind of illustrates them. I don't have anybody to really talk to about them, um, and and at least in like a uh, a you know capacity where it's frequent enough and how enthusiastic I am about some because I'm in the comic book store every single week, you know, and and I and I want to talk to somebody about it, you know, or, or some issue that I read. And I don't have any friends that like go to the comic book store every week or or really even like end up reading stuff that I recommend to them that often. So this show was kind of a way for me to expose them to it. And uh, it's it's basically structured in a way where we talk about a book, you know, the history of it, maybe, you know, about the writers, when it came out, whatever. Uh, we break down the story and kind of comment on it as we go. And then we just wrap it up with like an overall thoughts. And it's kind of the gimmick of it is that I ask them at the end if it's a, a pull or a drop or a thumbs up or a thumbs down, basically. So Now, when you're choosing, do you figure out who your guest is going to be for this week's episode and then sort of tailor the book to them or how, what, how does the decision making come in? I have, um, so everybody who's on the show, I have a list for like just a big list (laughs) of books that I would like to talk to them about for one reason or another. Like sometimes it might be like something that, you know, I think that they'll think is like, fucking weird or messed up or whatever and they want to talk about or something that I genuinely more often than not it's something that I genuinely think they will like or I or or might like and so um it you know I I kind of do it in a way where uh I trade off with them like each guest I I go back and forth I'm like hey like you know any of these sound interesting to you with like a short little like descriptor of what kind of book it is or maybe I've talked to them about it before so they already know and uh then the next one I'll be like hey we should do this one and like it so it's kind of like a give and take thing does i mean here's the ultimate question and you know this is why i'm such a big podcast fan is because it's now you have your outlet now you have now like you have your conversation and you can force your loved ones to do this thing that you want them to do um does it feel like it scratches that itch does it feel like that you get to come on and you're like fuck yes now i finally get to do this thing (laughs) to be honest yeah i mean like um uh i i know it, it might not sound like it and for anybody who hasn't um listened to my show before uh, a lot of prep goes into it. Like each episode, um, uh, I, I heavily, um, go through these books that we talk about a lot of the time. And, um, I don't know if that comes across or not a lot of the time, but either way I, I do. And, uh, so it's a lot of time spent and it can be kind of hectic on me, um, working that in with my, you know, job and kid and all that stuff. But, uh, when we go to like record, I mean, yeah, like it feels great. You know, I mean, like, and, and I have so much fun with it. And like, uh, I, I genuinely think like with everybody who I've had on the show, it's gotten me like kind of closer to them in a way, even though like some of these like people on the show, like I mentioned Brett earlier, like we've been friends since we were five years old, like best, best buds, you know, and I, I feel even, like you guys I, are still friends, though, even though he doesn't like comics. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we are. <laughs> but but he, uh, you know, I mean, like, I feel like I even know him a little bit better just in the way that, like, we process, like, stories, you know, because it's not like me and Brett were ever hanging out. And we're like, let's do a book club together, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> so it's I don't know. It's just another layer. And um, uh, I've I've genuinely it's it's it'll be a year in November since we recorded the first episode. And uh, I've I still really love it. I love doing it. I mean, and you guys did sort of start a book club. This is this is the book club of 2022. It, it is. It is, essentially. And yes. you get to record it and release all of your thoughts to the world. Yeah. Uh, tell me about uh, sort of your start in comic books. Like, uh, you know, what sort of when was it and what was it that made you fall in love? Like, do you remember 
this one book you opened where you were like, well, that's my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can speak to that a little bit. So like, um, I, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned off the air earlier, but I'm, uh, I'm 31. And, uh, so, you know, I was a kid in the nineties and, um, I have fond memories of, you know, going to the grocery store and whatnot with my mom and seeing like a spinner rack there. And, uh, occasionally she would let me like, you know, buy a comic or whatever. And it was always something random, like, you know, like a silver surfer. Or, like I, I remember a particular Iron Man issue I really loved. But the thing is, is that like those books, like, although I remember the covers, they didn't really like stick with me that much. Like I didn't, and I think it was just the infrequency, you know, I would only mm. get one like every like four or five months or something, maybe, you know, and that's. Well, the weird thing about, I mean, there's so <laughs> much that you said to like our 20 year old listeners that blew your that would blow their mind first of all <laughs> spinner rack in grocery stores yeah that's yeah. how available they were yeah that really any place that you any retail place there were comic books uh they were a dollar a dollar 25 mm-hmm. maybe dollar 50 by the time you were uh, buying them uh and you would just get you know before like before you found out about back issues and long before you knew about like marvel unlimited oh, yeah. you would get silver surfer uh part three of six and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was your entire thing. And also, uh, you know, without a big collection, you were just going to read that mother or look at that motherfucker for <laughs> five months until you got your next one. Yep, exactly. And it and it would never be the next part of the story. Yeah. Oh, so, no, so, so, <laughs> like, so it'd be part four of some way different story. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, so so it it was just um, I had no one to really guide me through that, and so I uh. I didn't know like how to, you know, find like a comic book store, you know, or, or, or let alone even knew that those existed at that point. Sure. You know? So like, um, it kind of, uh, it kind of flew to the back and like, and, and my biggest exposure was like, you know, superheroes just through like cartoons and video games at that point. And I really, really got attached. I think I've told this story on, on one episode of my show before, but, um, I really, really got attached to Iron Man as a character uh, through the um, Captain America and the Avengers uh, <laughs> arcade game. And, oh, with uh, Vision and Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had it for sure. Sega Genesis. And, uh, so did I. And, like, and uh, I've played the shit out of that. And, like, and, and I just thought he was so cool. And I read that bio at the beginning of him, like, 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 you know, over and over. And that was the thing that, like, really I remember being most excited about first that had to do with, like, comic books or, you know, tangentially comic books. And then... You know, as I got a little older, I really didn't start buying like comics like until I was in high school, like at the end of high school, kind of. And um, it was the uh, modern run of Invincible Iron Man that started with Matt Fraction. Okay. Uh, and I found that trade of the first uh, arc, which was called The Five Nightmares, and I still have it. But uh, that one I remember reading and it just blew me the fuck away because I was like, I remembered comics from the random ones I would get from when I was a kid. And I was like, yeah, this shit was like, it was, it was bombastic. It like, you know, everybody over explained everything and it didn't really make a lot of sense. But like that Matt Fraction run on Iron Man, which I still believe to this day is super underrated. I was like, this is like modern storytelling. And like, and it, and it, and it flowed like, you know, cause I mean, it was a fucking modern comic. I didn't know they were like that yet. And like, and, uh, and it just blew me away. And, uh, I've just been, diving in ever since and i i think i even said before we started here as well too but uh i went back to like the beginning of marvel you know i read like the early fantastic four i went through iron man i i started going through like 
modern event comics you know that's how i got into writers like bendis and things like that and it's just like it it just kind of grew from there and i kind of found like you know all the stuff that i like like through the writers and creators i like that iron man run i wanted to read but i couldn't because that author's name sounds so much like math fraction and that i that (laughs) gives me sweats i can't handle that but no Uh, you're what you're talking about is this perfect time where stan lee's whole every comic might be somebody's first comic starts to go away a little, a little bit. And there's more trust given to the readers that they're going to sit down. And it's not, we're not talking adult comics, right? Like that Iron Man, like run didn't belong with vertigo, but a little bit more trust is given to their readers. And it like, you feel like an adult. You feel like you're getting both things that you need of it, like being an adult and a kid all at the same time with a run like that. Exactly. Exactly. It had all the like, cool, like, you know, stuff you'd expect in an Iron Man book, like the techie bombastic villains and stuff. And like, but then it also had like, you know, oh, like Tony's dealing with like a relapse or some shit, right. you know? And, and you're like, you're like, whoa, like, cool. You know, like, and it's a, uh, it just, yeah, it just, it just fucking, it just hooked me from there, man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I found myself in a comic book store not long after that. Um, and, uh, was pulling stuff weekly, you know, shortly after that. And I've been going ever since. So it's been like, you know, pulling books, every week for 12 years at this point. That's, I yeah. mean, that's amazing. You know, like for some reason I found that this we'll call it a hobby more so than like movie fans or music fans will have gaps, you know, like you sort of fall in love with music or movies. You stay that way as a kid, you stay that way for your whole life. Comic book fans have this tendency to like go away and come back and go away and come back. That's you know? true. I mean like, uh, yeah. And I guess I, yeah, you can compare that to movies or, uh, or music as well. I mean, like, um, music was a, was, was my main thing when I was young and still, and still is a huge part of my life. But like, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I think you're, you're not your taste per se. I mean, your taste is always evolving and things that you like, but, uh, it's, uh, it's the way you go about like, you know, hobbying and stuff. And I think like with comics at least, you know, or just, you know, books in general, I always find a way to like get excited about something like say if I'm reading too much superhero shit, I'm like, oh, I'm getting kind of burnt out on this. I find excitement in like, you know, some indie book that, you know, isn't about that at all or something, you know, <laughs> like so. Well, this is something that I want to talk to you about with your show, with your podcast, because I noticed something that really struck me. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if like you're OK or if we need to sit down and talk. But uh, you didn't talk about superheroes until like your fourth or fifth episode. And <laughs> you only talk about superheroes like half the time. Whereas yeah. I think most people don't know that there are other comic books in the world that <laughs> don't revolve around superheroes. Well, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, um, and I will say maybe that's the uh, the contrarian in me uh, bubbling up. <laughs> but like, uh, but I will say initially... Um, when like the first three episodes, cause I think you're right. I think episode four is the first time we ever do a superhero book and it's, and it's still an Elseworlds book. It's the, yeah, it's fa- not it's a superhero <laughs> book. It's, yeah. I mean, it's like, that's a book that's all about the art and it's yeah. not, you know, like a classic Marvel thing. That's true. And so I, um, I think it, it was somewhat conscious of, of a decision for me, but that was just because like, I wanted to throw something that my guests like or at least my first round of guests like weren't expecting like you know and, it, and uh and it's like they're like oh nick's gonna have me talk about fucking comic books when i'm gonna talk about fucking captain america or whatever you know <laughs> and like and i'm right. just like i'm just like, we're gonna ease into that stuff and also 
just the fact that we were still kind of, I, this isn't my first like podcast that I've ever done, but I, I was knowledgeable enough from the previous one that I had done to be like, Hey, let's like try some stuff. Like, let's not bust out fucking dark Knight returns first thing, you know? And like, it's like, let's find the footing, find the formula. And then like, uh, you know, then we can get into all that stuff. But, um, but not only that, it's like, I, not that I think that, you know, the indie books aren't worthy of treatment like that. They are. It's just like, it was just easier just to go into something without all the context that I needed to give them. You know, I, I think that's a really good point. And, uh, people who don't have podcasts may not know this, but let's be honest, if you're listening to this, you have a podcast. That's just a fact. Um, <laughs> what if you do DKR, your first episode, that's it. That is your dark that's, night that's return dark returns forever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, let's wait. Let's give it time until you know you as a host and you found the perfect guest and like you're ready for that shit. Exactly. Yeah. I, I th- so I, you know some some proper planning done on my part for that, but you know we'll see how it goes. Yes. <laughs> I did want to say too to uh, my audience that um, the planning that you do is actually is legit worth it. And one of the things that I noticed is when, you, like, let's say your guest has a question, you mm-hmm. answer it, and because you know it. And what I didn't, what I don't hear, maybe you edit this out, but I don't hear a bunch of typing on your keyboard trying to look it up really fast. Oh, like, we don't even have a computer in the you room. You come to this shit <laughs> prepared, dude. I, so I, nice I, about that. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, no, I I definitely try. I mean, like, I will say, like, in regards to the questions. I could toot my own horn a little bit and be like, I know this, like, because, you know, it's probably, it's either something I wondered or just something I know from, you know, reading it forever. But like, right. uh, but at the same time, like, you know, in terms of my like uh, story breakdowns and things, like when we're going through like the big bulk part of the show, um, I heavily like have that detailed in my notes, you know, like, and so I'm always, I'm like reading off that basically the whole time. And then I try to leave room for them to comment or I'll put like what I want to say, like, you know, in there, like, underneath as like an asterisk or something like that and like so it's a it's a lot more um i don't want to say scripted because like i don't like say verbatim what i write most of the time but like it's a but it's um it's just well prepared like i know how like the conversation will probably go but like i like i said i like to leave it open enough for the guests to like pursue something and then we can like go off on a tangent or something if we not just because i feel like that's that's more valuable than just you know telling the story for you know blankly for 30 minutes and then go into the questions or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's a shit on our colleagues, but I think that a lot of the issues that podcasts have in general, uh, in our realm or others is that you, it takes a lot of preparation to make it sound conversational. And, uh, when you just say, well, preparation won't make it sound conversational. That's when you, your show sucks. That's when you have, you have a bad podcast. You have to find the balance, you know? I mean, like, uh, cause, cause I don't, you know, I mean, there are people out there that can just like go in totally dry, but like for something like what I do, it's like, you, you got to go more in depth. Like there's no, there's no way that I can like, not like, you know, if I could just wing it, you know, <laughs> like, like a hundred percent at least, like I don't have, especially a- too, because you're bringing in a, like the premise of your show is that you're bringing in an amateur. So you that puts even more pressure on you to know your shit. Yeah, yeah, which which sounds uh, arrogant of me to think that I could do, but at least I've been picking things that I feel like I do know and or at least I'm very enthusiastic about, you know. <laughs> so. I got to say that on Superhero Show Show, I have the same panelists with me every week, Cassie, Caitlin and Mike, and though the no one has ever been more amateur or not known their shit than those three. So I have to deal <laughs> with it every single week. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I noticed while listening to your show, I have a I have a serious problem. This is going to be a little bit hypocritical. I'll explain why. I have a serious problem with 
um, comic book reviews, mm-hmm. like written reviews, and a lot of podcasts too, um, because I can tell they read comic books like I do, which is story, 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 flip through it as fast as you can. Art is secondary. And so when I read a lot of reviews, it'll be like, at the end, it'll always say the same thing. Um, the art was good. It told the story well. Like, yeah. I, that sentence is in every comic book review. It's spoken, spoken, like people, sh- spoken like people who aren't artists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, are you one? I, I feel like this is getting a little bit too complimentary towards you. But uh, uh, your show, you really focus on the art. And it's almost like it's an integral part to this artistic thing that you guys are talking about. When did that happen? When did it click that it wasn't just story and words? Um, I, you know, funny enough, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I, I fancy myself an amateur writer, maybe, you know, but like, uh, but I have yet to, uh, to actually publish or self-publish anything, but, um, you know, something that I think most comic book fans are in a constant, uh, you know, back oh, yeah. of their head work to doing, but you know, that, that aside, um, I'm not an artist, but I think, um, it was really finding the appreciation for different styles of art. Like, you know, I mean, um, uh, again, I keep mentioning how we talked about something off air. We only talked for like five minutes, but we hit a lot of things anyway. So, like, uh, but, um, uh, you know, one thing that uh, really stuck with me and uh, I think would be like a big one for me is, you know, someone like Sam Keith, who is like hyper stylistic, but like it's this is going to sound cheesy, but it's like but it's it's beautiful, like in its own way, you know, and not in like a traditional comic book way. I mean, I, I could look at someone like Jason Fabic and be like that is like the epitome of like modern day, like awesome superhero artwork, you know, like, and it's so good. And so like, just cool and like sort of realistic looking. And then you go to something else, like, you know, Sam Keith and like, it's like, he's also drawing Batman, but it's like a totally different tone and totally different thing. And, but I just, I love it equally, you know? And I think that that's just where like, you know, I, I like to look at art as it fits the story and more often than not, especially when you're talking about like big time artists, like who work for the big two, like Marvel or DC, like they've kind of found their footing and they know what they're doing and like know how to convey that. And I feel like that's just important to uh, appreciate and take note of when you, when you, you know, when they really hit it, you know, and, and they do so often. And I'm just an envy of artists most of the time. (laughs) Yeah. I think, and I think that's a really good point is that like, we're at the point now where you'll rarely see bad art, right? Yeah. It's just, how At least not in the big see, two. Yes. Right. Uh, but how often you see great? And I think that I, my era, when I was growing up, I didn't love Sam Keith for a lot of the reasons that like you, people have probably told you before. Uh, and and I, I and I get it, you know. I mean, like it is, like I said, hyper stylized. It's not for everybody, you know. But see, <laughs> that's the, that's the thing is that I didn't. It's not that I didn't like Sam Keith. I definitely didn't have the artistic words to be like, and here is why I yeah. find him lacking. <laughs> It's because I was like every other kid in my generation. I like Jim Lee. The further away you are yeah. than Jim Lee, then the worse you are as an artist. Yeah. And I compare that to children ordering food in restaurants. They want chicken tenders. They don't want to taste anything. They don't want anything to be different. They don't want any spices. They don't want anything to be like different than what the exact thing that they already know. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got older where I was like, ah, I'm kind of tired of chicken tenders and jim lee is to me chicken fucking tenders <laughs> well you know and, and to be fair like when you have someone as talented as jim lee as like your like you know benchmark like yeah it's it's it, it you'd be like oh well this 
this looks fucking weird and it sucks, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, I, I totally get that. Like, I mean, and, and I think that we all go through phases like that though. You know I mean? Like, uh, like everybody is going to like, unless if they're already prone to like, you know, weird experimental art, they're going to think that, you know, anything less than this run, one random book they read where they really love the art is, is less than that, you know? Right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean like that, that totally makes sense. It's just, uh, it's just about, you know, growing through like you know your hobby and growing like with the medium as you you know come to appreciate more stuff i guess yeah i mean or let's or looking backwards like you said you were a 90s kid but did you go back because my dislike for sam keith when i was a kid was similar to my dislike of jack kirby i have grown now since then i promise i'm not going to come on here and (laughs) on a podcast and say to you uh jim kirby sucks uh or jack kirby sorry um but jack kirby for it took me a while and now I like I see what people are talking about. How much have you gone back either for your own interest or as preparation for all of your knowledge right now? Well, what's funny is like uh in terms of going back, I mean, um, you know, I started off and I was kind of simultaneously reading the modern stuff which would be like, you know, the late 2000s to like, you know, 2008 to 2010. And like that's when I really jumped in. So I was reading stuff like from that era forward while simultaneously going all the way back and kind of discovering like the origins and I'm talking pretty much, pretty much solely about Marvel right here. But, um, so, you know, I went back to, you know, the silver age stuff and was doing like the things in the sixties and really discovering like, you know, the, the early like tapestry of the Marvel universe as like Stanley and Jack and Steve Ditko kind of laid it out. And, the last actual thing that I really ever delved into, and I'm still delving into into this day, is actually that period where I was born, you know, in the 90s. <laughs> like, it took me a long time to, like, go back to the 90s because I think in the climate of uh, looking back on that, you know, uh, especially in, like, 2008 to 2010 or even up until, like, 2015, I'd say, the 90s were looked at as, like, this, like, just, like, hyper fucking violent like you know just just dumb shit <laughs> you know like and like and everybody and everybody there no, there's no better term for 90s comics than dumb shit than dumb I shit yeah and like and, and so it really did take me a long time to go back to the 90s and like be like hey actually you know there's some there's a lot of value in like this stuff and not just like the cool art that everyone talks about you know it's like i mean like i love like a lot of that like 90s x-men stuff even you know even though that was probably like the most popular shit back then it's like there's a lot of cool stuff in there age of apocalypse holds up you know like it's like and and then you know even beyond like the superhero stuff you know you get into like you know the end of stuff like like sam keith with the max you know it's like the max speaks to me differently than it ever did when i was younger and found like a random issue or remember seeing the tv show on mtv back in the day and like it's like it's like a transcendent work that really speaks to me, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I have like pockets of, uh, all of like the eras from the sixties onward, basically where I'm like, this is some awesome shit or like this really long run that I love from there or for like this creator or whatever. But like, I tended to go pretty quickly into, uh, I didn't really care about the era more so than I cared about like the creative team. I, I was pretty quick on that. Like, you know, it's a, it didn't take me long to be like, oh, like this this person's name is on this book. I really like this book. I'm going to look for more stuff with that name on it, you know? I think that's a big... Comic book readers know that like a big graduation from, I don't know, younger reader to older reader is I stopped buying every comic that had Wolverine in it. And yeah. I started buying every comic, you know, that was written by Jason Aaron or whoever your 
person is. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I okay. de- definitely follow the creative teams more than I follow characters nowadays. Although there are uh, obviously characters I have an affinity for, but I'm much more of a uh, of a plot and uh, and story guy than I am like just a uh, just the uh, character guy, I guess. Yeah, I come from a time where the good stuff was out there. I had no idea how to find it, and so like Punisher was on the cover of every single comic book. Um, and also, I shit you not, there are eight copies of certain books in my garage that I've, I've never opened or read any of them. Yeah. <laughs> Just that's how the comic book industry works back then. What is your pull list? Like how many books are you buying every week? And what is the balance between Marvel DC and, or like we'll say uh, superheroes and not to be continued. We are back from that interview and Ryan, if I could say one word about that interview, you know what I would say? Phenomenal. Better than Mike? I mean, I know that's three words, but... <laughs> Better than oh, Mike? Wait, I, was, I was running around the room in excitement for you, and then I heard trash being talked to me. I mean, that's the time to strike. Is yeah. when the other person's running around screaming. He that's when you stab them. Full height. That's man true. In the middle of my wedding vows, you did punch me in the jaw and say, always watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that lesson. Uh, but even though I hit you from the front, <laughs> it was a confusing lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are at the end of the show though, which means it's time to just plug stuff. So Mike, can you tell us about some websites? Popfilter.co is where you can go to get everything we put out into the woe world. Sick. Live it, love woe it. Dot world? Learn it. Woe dot world. Uh, throw a little slash Amazon on that, popfilter.co slash Amazon. That's how you shop now. Bookmark it. Love it. That's how you shop, and it helps us, and we appreciate it. Also, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Pick a tier. $1 or $5, please. Don't go crazy. And uh, you'll you'll really enjoy it with all kinds of extra content while helping us directly. We also got some other shows. Ryan, please tell the people, people about those. I'll tell the people. 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 <laughs> Fucking Cassie. Thank Mis- you. Made a mistake Classic on a word Cassie. like that. She doesn't know how to talk about people. Uh, okay. So our other shows, if that's what we're talking about right now, uh, Movie of the Year is a podcast you can download. Right now we're doing 1982, which I would say is probably the best year of all time. Um, it's up there. And I mean, I have to say that because we're trying to promote it, Mike. So what would you say is the best year of all time? Of all time? Yeah. 2001. I don't think anything bad happened at this country. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm trying to promote 1982 for a podcast that you're on. What do you think? 1982, at least cinematically, was probably the best. Mike, what's a movie from 1982? A movie from 1982 off the top of my dome, if I had to pick one at random, Victor Victoria. Victor Victoria. What are you? All about that movie? You probably are. (laughs) Uh, No, Mike, I'm talking to the guest now. Oh. What are you? Get, what do you get guess? Off, Mike. Yeah, what? You Victor Victoria stan, you fucking freaks. You're probably all about Victor Victoria, and we love you for that, and we have a show for you. Also, Cassie hosts a show called Unnatural 20s. Cassie, is that show still going on? Still going on. On a, on a little break right now, but still going on. Catch on up a on. little break. Uh, one of Cassie's co-hosts fucking fully diarrheaed a baby out of her butt. Yeah. 
And it I'm is, guessing that might be part of the break. <laughs> it is out of the butt. So, you know, we just needed we needed some time from that. Um, so but I, I you can you can listen to old episodes. So movie of the year and a natural 20s on every podcatcher you can imagine. We're also on social media. We're at your pop filter on Twitter and on Instagram. Go ahead and follow us over there. We um, got a big episode coming up, you guys, because we're going to focus on Stargirl. We also got more X, yes. X-Tez and the exciting conclusion to None of My Friends Like Comics interview. So be sure to listen to that one. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For Caitlin, I am me. And for me, I am me. Bye, everyone. <laughs>